Hello. Hello, Merlin. Hi, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. Just got back from the big, the big graduation. So. Uh, oh, nice. What'd you get? You get a degree? Uh no. It was it was my little girl. She's uh, graduated preschool. The big ceremony. She walked with her other, other students, uh, classmates. Graduated. She's going to be going to kindergarten. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, getting that's when the expectations really go up. Yeah, they're not going to treat you like a kid anymore. (laughs) No, that's what they tell you every year. They go, you know, when you go to first grade, they're not going to treat you like a kid anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Then finally, somewhere around your last year of college, they treat you a little less like a kid. Yeah. Well, good for her. That's fantastic. Yeah, big. It's big news here around here. Yeah, end of the year is exciting. It's it's uh it's chaotic. You know, the schedules, schedules get all messed up. There's all kinds of like, uh, special things to attend, most of which are pretty hilarious and fun. It's a, it's a bittersweet time though. You know, you really, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, part of the way you mark, mark time, regardless of your age, but especially as you get older, is by what arrives and what goes away. And I, I think about stuff like, I realize like, oh my God, the, te- the, the gardening teacher has been gone for a year now. I'm like, how is, how has Ms. McKenzie gone for a year already? Like, wasn't that just like a couple months ago? Or like, you know, I have to say for, for my daughter, who's roughly the same age as your son, God, second grade has gone by so fast. Yeah. It really, I mean, it's weird. It's, there, there must be some kind of wormhole compression thing going on. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It felt like the fir- their first few years of school seemed to just drag on and go on forever. For, I, clearly for them, but for me too. <laughs> and now, like you're saying, like he's going to be done with second grade in a couple of weeks. It's like, whoa, where, what, how did that happen? Yeah. I mean, I think it's one reason why Christmas is so complicated or the holiday season is so complicated is because it does feel like it arrives earlier every year, not just because of Walgreens. But like you really mark the years by that. You go, oh my God, again, it's this. Right. And we were less involved in the school this year than last year, which is to say like last year, my wife had a a very big role at school Mm -hmm. that was like actually overwhelming. I mean, she couldn't do it again. It was like- she did so much work. There's always so much to do. And here's the truth. Here's the dirty little secret. This is the truth about life. It's the truth about schools, but it's especially, you know, true about schools. Is like, you know, there's people who are nominally interested in what happens and the outcome of things, and they want their kids to have good things. That's everybody kind of wants that. There's nobody who's like, oh gosh, I, I hope a trebuchet you know, shoots my kid into space today. Nobody thinks that. Then there's the people who are like a little bit involved. Mm-hmm. And they like, they'll show up for a little while. They'll bring something from Safeway for the, you know, everybody's busy. But and then you got the people who are actually like having to do the work and the people who have to like set up for things and clean up after things. And by the time you get to that amount, you're getting to like definitely under 10%. But what it comes down to is like for any project, I think this is true in work. I know this is true at school. There is like one and a half people who are doing almost all of the work mm. and who has to, who have to project manage the thing. If you know what I mean. Yes, totally. Where like, there's a lot of people who are like, hey, yeah. You know, like, I always think of it as like the newsletter problem because I, in a former life, I did a lot of stuff with newsletters. Everybody's always super interested in the idea of a newsletter existing. They're even, at first, they're very interested. Oh, sure, I'll write a column for that. I'll write about where the best water fountain on the floor is or whatever. Enterprise. And then like, it's time. You're like, okay, so issue two of the newsletter is coming out. How are we doing on that? And they're like, can't hear you. <laughs> and let me tell you, buddy, when it's time to clean up after the carnival, woo, that's when you find out who the real Vikings are. Oh, yeah. You know, the people who arrive very early to set up, the people who stay very late to clean up. It's, it's a lot of work. 
I don't know why I'm going on this rant, but I think what I'm trying to say is that uh, we are less involved. We're still very involved, but I mean, I pick my daughter up every day. I go on a lot of field trips. My wife is still tremendously involved. It's just, she's not as super tremendously involved. So I think the fact that we're not doing like running one to three events a week at school made this year go faster. You know, let me ask you a question about that because I, I'm often surprised by how involved parents are. And I'm not talking about parents who, uh, you know, who, who are, are sort of like staying at home with their kids, men or women. I mean, but they're like people who work. Clearly, they, they work, they have jobs, they do other things, and yet they're volunteering and doing so much and they're so involved. They must get a lot out of it. And I say that because I've never been involved in anything like if my kid has an event, I go to it. If they do a play, I'm I'm there. If they walk across a stage, I'm there. If they're singing, I'm there. You know, I go to all that stuff. But like I'll always they always get CC'd in this thing like we need paper plates for the such and such event. And, you know, like I'll be there at the event, but I, I'm never the one bringing the paper plates. Right. Right. So like you're asking like, where does that time come from? Yeah. Like how do you make time for that? And also, and this may seem like a really dumb question, um, but like where does, you know, why, why? Um, I think there's probably everybody has their own reasons. I, I mean, I think the most obvious or selfish is too strong a word, but the, the, the le- less altruistic and very real world thing is you want your kid to have a good experience. And if you spend any amount of time at a school you learn that everybody there, everybody in that school who's in, you know, who's, whether that's a staff member, faculty member, the custodian, like every one of those people is doing, when you really just scratch the surface and look, it's extraordinary how much work they do. Mm-hmm. Like we had, uh, they do a thing every year, they have a tea, the, they call it the uh, Mad, Mad Hatter's Tea Party every year. And so, you know, I, I had to go drop drop some stuff off on Saturday morning Um and I get there, and there's like seven people there. Um, in this case, it was it was noon, but they'd been there for hours setting up, cutting up fruit, like getting the tables ready. And like the teachers are there, like teachers are there. These are these are teachers that in some cases have to go live in a different county right. to have this job, and they are there cheerfully working away. They got an apron with their name on it. They're all the best humans you've ever met in your life, and they are there. Like you think they're getting paid extra for that? I doubt it. So the thing is, it's almost impossible. It's almost like if you go into a disaster scene and you saw how hard people were trying to fill up sandbags, it would be difficult, even if you had other stuff to do, to not find the time to help fill a few sandbags. Sure. Even though it may not do a lot, you do a little. And so I think, I think part of it is that you, just from a self-preservation standpoint, you go, look, you know, it's nice to think that this is 1968 and the Johnson administration has heavily funded schools to do all kinds of stuff. It ain't like that. They need every hand that they can get to do everything. They need supplies. So, like in some cases, there are like uh, usually moms, sometimes dads, but especially moms that will be in the class helping um, for like uh, one day a week because the teachers have to do all the teacher stuff. Then they got to do the reading stuff. Then they got to do the evaluation stuff. It's like every time we get our daughter's homework back, I'm like, how did she do this times 24 plus everything else? Mm. It's bananas. So I think that's that's one part of it. You know, there is, you know, that is, if you're going to be in a public school, you, it really helps to grab a broom. And there's always a, groom, a broom to be grabbed. So I think that once you expose yourself to that a little bit, I think there are ways to do it without getting too much into the psychology. I think there are ways to do that that are very scalable, I think. Even if you are a very busy person, even if you're not a very wealthy person, there are definitely ways to help out. And it's the same way that you would attend a party. Like if you go to a party, 
Don't show up at a party, act like a dick, and complain about how everything's going. Like, that's not helping anybody. Always bring ice. Always bring beer. And you know what? Nobody's going to turn down a platter that you pick up and bring along. Nobody's going to be mad that, like, you brought, you know, finger food to the party. You're not going to be turned away because you're helping too much. So anytime I feel like anybody can do something, and I honestly don't think this is just for schools. I think it's true for parties. I think it's true for work. Do, do something. Pick something that's your pet project. And your pet project could be that every time, so like when I pick up my kid every day, I walk through this certain area of the school. And one thing I try to do, like you care, is like if I notice trash on the ground, I pick it up. It takes eight seconds. But like if I pick up three pieces of trash off the floor, just two, if I pick up one piece of trash off the floor, that is contributing something. And if I do that every day, that's one less piece of trash at school every day. If I, I, I usually will go to the teacher. I don't do this as much now, but I will go to the teacher and just say, hey, it's me again. What do you need? And believe me, a teacher always needs something. A lot of times that's glue sticks, that's crayons, that's paper towels. These are all the things that they are currently paying for out of pocket. The teacher, the teacher who's making $60,000 a year in San Francisco, they're paying for out of pocket. And so I think pick a pet project and say like, okay, I really want my kid to always, kids room to always have goldfish crackers. So make a point of going, get, get a Costco thing of goldfish crackers and bring, if that's what they want, find out if that's what they want and bring it in. Or be glue stick guy. Like always be the person who's bringing glue sticks. Don't expect congratulations for it. It doesn't take that long. It's not that costly. And it does help a lot. And if, if you don't want to spend money, but you have a little bit of time, offer to, don't offer to clean up. Show up to clean up. Like having one more person to clean up at school after an event is like a huge deal. You got to put all the tables back up. You think, you think there's a fairy that like waves a magic wand and all the, the lunchroom gets reset? Like anyway, I'm ranting now. But I, I think that's true about school, but I think it's true about lots of stuff. Is like, if you want to see an improvement somewhere, like pick up a piece of trash. I like that. Yeah, sorry. It's kind of long. That's good. Yeah. It's fun, though, because, I mean, it feels like it takes six months before I kind of know. Like, you know, you see somebody every two weeks, and you don't really get to build a relationship, right? Like, you kind of, like, know somebody. You know, I know the kids better than I know the parents, but I'll, like, say, hey, Liam's dad, or whatever. Uh-huh. And, like, you get to know people a little bit, and it feels like by the time you know all the kids in the class, like, things are over. It's hey. like a crazy Harry Chapin song. Well, no, <laughs> you're right about that, though, in, in the sense that, like... Like, I know a lot of the parents for both of the kids, but I know more for my sons than I know for my little girls because my wife is almost always getting, taking her and bringing her back because she goes to like preschool and the hours are much shorter. So I'm more like getting him there and back. So I have, as a result of that, like I see all the other parents that go to the school and I know them and it's you're right. Like you get you get to know people, especially in there's something about Austin. I think that's very different from the way it was in Florida, and in in that people here invest more. I think mm-hmm. in in the community in the sense that like they're here and they want to make this a good place and they plan to stay here. They might not always live in this one neighborhood or in this this one house. Right. But like they care about it. And there was always such a feeling of transience in Florida that people were only you really got the impression that like the guy who's like playing his really loud music and burning trash on the driveway and has his car up on blocks that which was in the <laughs> nice areas. He is 
you know, he doesn't care. He's not going to be there in 20 years. He's not going to be there in two years. You know, he just, people just didn't care. Universally didn't care. And here people really do care. And so that's why one of the reasons I was asking you about why and, and the reasons that you mentioned, I think were, were really good. I think the, the one other one that I've seen is like people really get the feeling and I think they're right in that they're, they're investing in, 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 in the community aspect on that kind of social level, like you were saying. And it's, you know, it's really nice. It's really nice to see that because there is that feeling of small towniness around a school much more so than there is in, in downtown. You know what I mean? I don't know if I explained that well, but. Yeah, I guess I think in particular about this one volunteer at school who's this retired guy um, who comes in several times a week and basically he hangs out at the playground and he makes origami for, for kids. He oh, shows cool. them how to make origami. He brings in all the supplies on his own and like he he takes orders so like and he has a helper <laughs> so like if if you want a hello kitty it's on mondays my daughter would quote unquote put in her order for origami and this guy would come back and he's got this big box full of origami he made for everybody and he showed them how to make it he got my kid interested in origami like what does he get out of that i don't know i mean he likes doing that and he's incredibly helpful and there's this kind of grandfatherly figure that the kids have around now is there like a a price tag or percentage of human life satisfaction you can put on why he does that. Well, he does it because he does that. So like, you know, it, it, even though he's not teaching a class or he's not, you know, as I say, push a, pushing a broom, you know, he's contributing. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry. People don't like when we talk about kid stuff, but, but I don't think this is <clears throat> just exclusively about kid stuff. I think it's true for lots of things, you know, but you're, you're also right about Florida. I mean, not to slag on Florida, but I really felt that in Tallahassee, yeah. the thing you described, just because it's, it's a, it's a two business town in a lot of ways. The government and education. Education. So you got, on the one hand, you've got uh, Florida state government with Tallahassee being the capital. Plus you've got uh, several, you know, several schools, but especially two very large universities, FSU and FAMU. Um, two giant schools. And so like when you look at a list, you see like a pie chart of employers in Leon County. It was crazy because such like so much over, like I want to say half was basically universities, these, these universities, government work of various kinds, administrative work. And then like, mm, I think like Walmart, maybe, maybe Publix, something like that. But it's, it's pretty bananas. And then a long tail after that. But, and so what's that mean? It means if you're an undergrad, you're God willing in and out in four years, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to, you're going <laughs> to, yeah. you're going to learn which bartender you want to go to at Bullwinkles. Right. But like, you know, <laughs> you may not really feel like you have roots. <laughs> you know, you yeah. say not to like slag on them, but I mean, it, I don't, I never saw that really change. I mean, in South, very South Florida, like Miami, the few times that I visited Miami and there was a number of times I went down that way. I really did get the sense of, you know, there that there really was a deep community there and a very much an established community there. But the further north you go, I think it, 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 you, you run into these pockets of this just sort of transient thing where, like, no one really cares – just people just don't care about anything. They, they, you know, they're there, they're there for a little while. And even we were guilty of living in a house for a year or two and then moving another year or two, moving another two year or two, because that's what everyone did. And we didn't do it because everyone else did it. 
we did it because times would change and and we would do that. And maybe it was the like the time of life or the situation that we were in. I don't know. But everything there was kind of conducive to that moving around. Yeah. But in fairness, I think, and I, this is just, you know, speculation, but then you, you say like, well, you know, people don't behave as though they have roots would be one way to put it. Yeah. And then in my mind, I'm thinking, well, what, what are they there to have roots about? So for example, when I moved to Pasco County, uh, my family moved there in 1980, kind of 1979, mostly 1980. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, the median age was in the fifties. Yeah. It was mostly retirees who had bought people from the, uh, you know, New York, New Jersey metro area who had bought houses in the 50s while they were still working and had families in those areas. You know, the the, the classic cliche used to be, you know, hey, look, I, I paid for my schools already. Right. I paid, for, I paid for schools when we were back in, you know, Long Island or whatever. But people would come down there and they, so they would buy these houses. Uh, I guess in some cases, maybe they'd rent them. And then when they finally were ready to retire, they moved to Florida. And move into the ranch style house in Pasco County, right. and uh, and so that led to a very high median age. Well, you know, by the time I was going into college, that generation was really dying off, and at, at that point, at least, it was mostly service industry. It was people who worked uh, in retail or you know uh, restaurants, whatever stuff like that. But you know, I'm thinking like right now we're on a big tear of watching uh, Gilmore Girls, which is a terrific show. And, uh, you know, you think about like the roots of a community like Stars Hollow or the roots of somebody like Rory's grandparents who went, you know, went to Yale. And it's like, there's lots to have roots about there. Like you own property. You, there's a legacy of having gone to school. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, a lot of that has to do with money. So like you can afford to have roots. It's easier to afford to have roots if you have things like owning your own home, especially if you've been a longtime homeowner or a longtime home- homeowner in the same place. It's just that I think that's going to be a very difficult America to recreate at this point. I, I don't see a bright future of a lot of people suddenly becoming homeowners, you know, in the next 10 years. And I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, you feel like you have stakes in the community, you have roots in the community. You have neighbors that you've had for years. That was just a thing when I was a kid. You know, wow, there's a new person moving into the neighborhood. That's a really big deal because everybody had their houses for 30 years at least. So, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit circumspect. I, 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 I you know, have my feelings about Florida. But I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, if you don't have the means, it's hard to have roots about things. You know, if you're renting, you know, who knows? The renting, I think, is a big part of it. And there really is a culture of of renting. And of, and of like turnover. Florida. Yeah, a, very, a, a high turnover. turnover. And not, yeah. not the kind of turnover that you might see in just like a regular apartment building near a college or something like that. But just like everywhere you go, like people would not, you know, really set up shop that much in a way that I think is very different here in Austin for sure in that people Mm -hmm. really do once they get here you know I think they tend to like it and they tend to want to stay and then they they tend to kind of upgrade their lives as they can you know they might upgrade from a crappier apartment to a nicer apartment or from a nice apartment to a condo or to a home or upgrade their home you know like in that kind of progression but they're staying they're staying around or they find a neighborhood that I like I know somebody who's lived in like three different homes that they've slowly upgraded, but all in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Think about Roderick and how many, I mean, Roderick, even through his itinerant years, (laughs) he's mostly lived in mostly two cities. Right. And he really feels like he has, I mean, Alaska to an extent, but more recently in Seattle, he feels like he has roots. So he's a homeowner now, but you know, he's lived, he's lived on the floor of many different places, but all in the same city (laughs) because there was something compelling about that. (laughs) 
You know, there's also the the, the thing people say about uh, younger people, millennials, if you like, that you know, there's less of an interest in ownership of hard goods. There's less of a, a, a thought for you know filling your life with with certain kinds of stuff. That's one reason people want the nicest of something. They want this one nice thing that they'll have for a long time. Yeah. There's a culture around that. Well, the, the the bald practical fact is a lot of people can't afford to have like a, a not even a McMansion. A lot of people can't afford to even rent like a three bedroom house in which they put lots of things they buy at Crate and Barrel. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a reality for people today like it was even 10 years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. that's changing really really quickly when you're when you're cut off from that ownership there's you you kind of have to change your focus you know, on things to be more looking more at experiences and you know certain a different kind of identity and things like that um yeah i don't know i don't know um hi how's it going hey, pretty good what's up with you that was I don't, whatever i'm good i'm good i'm good had some water <laughs> had some coffee yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilmore Girls, very good show. It's getting dark. We're into season four now, and season four, I forgot that it gets it gets a little more kind of dour and dark. But is, it's, it's still very good. Is this the one where the new the new school headmaster is there, and uh, and Dumbledore's like MIA? Or well, I mean, it's still Dumbledore. Yeah, it's just a different actor. Oh, and also they animate the owl on his podium. <laughs> Animated owl. <laughs> they send you an owl. <laughs> You know what I love to say? I love to say Cho Chang. Cho Chang. Cho Chang. I love saying Cho Chang. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just say Cho Chang for I don't no reason. I blame you. Yeah. You and I are both like that. We both have like special phrases we like to use. Like it gets stuck. It rattles around in there. But like it doesn't even take, this is, the, this is my, my, my brain is so soft and, 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 uh, and, uh, <laughs> and fecund that like I can just pick up the dumbest stuff. I, when I first moved to San Francisco, I think, I know, I know I've told you this, but the house that I'm in now, I moved in with this guy who's this English guy that worked for the Ritz and he was like the, one of the nice pe- nicest people I've ever met. But and his name was Richard. And Richard had a very distinctive way of answering the phone. He would pick up the, hand, the little hand, handset and he'd go, hello, Richard. Hello, Richard. So what, you know, sort of like, hello, Richard, but he would say, hello, Richard. <laughs> so this is 1999. <laughs> my wife moved in not long after that, my then girlfriend, and we just started calling, calling him hello, Richard. And we still call him hello, Richard. <laughs> And there's and and like there's just stuff that I, I lived I with this guy for like a year, and there's still he's still so much a part of my lexicon. He right. had this he had this awful awful cat that lived with us that, that pooped on everything and would throw up all the time. It was a very sweet cat, but it had a lot of problems. It was I think it was also a Persian, and the cat's name was Beaujolais. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. And. uh and Beaujolais, Beaujolais would make some serious, like, like Warner Brothers cartoon-sized cat balls around the house. Just giant masses of oh matter and phlegm and fur. And there was one night, my wife and I were there, and we heard Hello Richard uh, going into, into the other room, and Beaujolais had left a really big ball <laughs> on the floor in the lounge. We still call it the lounge. He called it the lounge, so now we call it the lounge. Right. It means family room. He got into the lounge, and we just hear him very quietly from the other room go, Oh, Beaujolais. Because <laughs> Beaujolais had just barfed up this giant thing, and to this day, my wife and I sometimes will be walking around and still go, "Oh, Beaujolais." Oh man! <laughs> but like that's stuck in there now. You know what it's I mean? It's stuck in there. It'll never come out. Five eight eight five eight eight two three hundred. Ne- you can't unhear it. You can't. Mm. Buck bag. <sighs> we have fun, don't we? Yeah, I love it. Oh, Beaujolais. Like so, I, I used to know, I'll just, I'll add one thing. I used to know a please. guy. Uh, his name was Ken, 
And this might be my second, second, third job out of college. I was a consultant for a company that basically they would, they would come to us and we would solve their software problems. Could be anything from like, we wrote software. This was probably in the like late or mid late nineties. We wrote software to, for cruise ships that would power their like, when you would go on the cruise ship, they wanted to be able to print out like a what what is very commonplace now, but back then was very new. They wanted to be able to print out like a temporary ID card, the same kind of card that you would use to gain access to your hotel room, and it would okay. it would operate all the doors in the cruise ship. But it also could be like your card that you would use when you were in the restaurant, or if you wanted to gamble, or if you wanted whatever it was, wherever you would need money or to ID yourself, you would swipe this card. So we like wrote software that would you know, you print this thing out on this special machine like uh, that. And I was also really getting good at Fox Pro back at this time period. And, oh, nice. And was it, was it magnetic? Like the mag- yeah, magnetic stripe, stripe cards. cards? Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, like the, in, in the back, I don't understand. I never understood this strange relationship, but I, who somehow the consulting company that I worked for wanted this certain space, like this warehouse space, but there was already these two guys, Ken and I forget the other guy's name, who were in the back of the space doing repairing laptops. Their whole business was repairing laptops. And uh, and somehow they had to acquire them and that business. So then we inherited this business. And Ken and the other guy would be in the back there repairing laptops. And these guys would break the laptops in the process of repairing them because they were dealing with like like crappy, like HP gateway dell toshiba laptops pc laptops that were impossible to open up without kind of damaging them so all the time they were damaging the laptops and people would come in and they're like what, what's that crack for and like oh it had to crack it to get it open anyway ken used to have i think he was from from boston or something but he used to have this thing that he would say is like i say so and like like i say li- so he's saying like i say comma so Oh, and, that's nice. And this was something that would, it, it kind of, he could buttress any statement or any sentence. And it works. It works everywhere. He wouldn't even need to be the person to say it. And and like someone else, would, oh man, it's hot out there. Like I say, so. And oh, it was, I love stuff like that. And, and ever since then, I've had to explain this, this story to people because I say that so much, I can't, I can't stop saying it. Uh, yes. It's, it's incredible how like these little, you got any more of these? That's the main one. Yeah, okay, think of some more. I got, I got, I, but I think about like how like, like a five to 15 second of my life, <laughs> right. this should have been it just completely gone. Right. And the one, one, here's one, one I told you many times, 19, uh, probably 89, the gay bar in town on Tuesday nights would have New Wave night. And so you'd go in there and hear Sisters of Mercy and Pixies and stuff like that. And the guy who worked the door was a, was a very old, uh, pretty old, like probably in his 60s or 70s, gay man, very colorful guy from Virginia. And I, I just remember this one night we said something like, oh, yeah, yeah, about the 8 o'clock, time to come on in. And uh, we're like, uh, you know, whatever his name was, Andy or whatever. Like, Andy, how come you never come in and dance? <laughs> something like that. And he said, well, as far as I'm concerned, all you new waivers are in purgatory. <laughs> oh, man. I love that line. It still goes through my head twice a week. As far as I'm concerned, all you new waivers are in purgatory. <laughs> oh, That's awesome. That's real awesome. You got any more? Uh, well, this is what people tune in for. They, is, they like hearing mimetic language. I have one. Give me another one. Uh, 
I was in college doing a technical documentation, technical writing project. And we were assigned to basically write a style and standards guide, policy and procedures guide type thing for some company. And the representative person that we were working with, uh, for some reason, we went to her home to get some of the supplemental material. And we were there and they had this tiny little dog with very long fur. And it was one of those, what I would put in the category, I think the, I'll Google this, but the the scientific name for it is a yippy dog. Hmm. And like a Laza Opso yes, type situation? Yes, like that. And the husband of, of this person came home and when he got home, the dog ran up to him yipping and everything and he picked it up and he held it very close to its, his face so that the little, the little nose and little mouth with the tongue licking his lips was right by his <laughs> face. And he said in, with uh, absolute sincerity, he closed his eyes and kissed it and said, my precious, precious angel. <laughs> so that's, that's, how we, that's, that's what we call our cat. Yes, that's in my vernacular now. <laughs> my precious, precious yes, angel. Yes. <laughs> went to the Wind dixie uh, in Sarasota, across the street from the Publix. And I went in there and I bought a, um, uh, what do you call it? Those giant malt liquors. The, um, the, yeah, the, the green, was it green? Not Mickey's. Oh, not Mickey's. But the... Uh, the one with the uh, with the eight in the name, the uh, this is killing me because I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, we used to call them eight balls. Yeah, yeah. I just remember being in line and this this very colorful African American lady was checking me out. She said, "Ooh, eight ball," <laughs> and I said, "I said yes, ma'am," and she said, "Ooh, that ball will roll." <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's okay, good. I got it's... one. Maybe you can explain to me. Okay, good. Do it. I was uh, turning 16, so right before I was 16, I got my restricted license, and I was getting driving lessons. My mom was going to show me how, and she took me out around the corner, and it freaked her out too much. She said, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Turn around. Go home. So we went home, and she called a driving instructor who showed up with one of these weird modified cars. Have you ever seen these? I don't know if they still have them. Where it's Yeah, got with the extra pedals. The extra pedals on, on the passenger side, and this guy, that he was completely insane. And he took me driving out, and uh, and and he would say these. He had these weird phrases, and the one that sticks out in my mind, he, you know, as he's teaching you to turn, like his, his the thing he would say when you're taking a left turn, he say, "Look left, go left." Mm. And I don't understand what that means to this day. I say it a lot: "Look left, go left." But that I, feels important. It that does. Feels very but important. what does it mean? Why is he saying that? What does it mean? I was going it's, it's left. Got a lot I of was layers turning to it. left. You were turning left. It's got it's got layers to it. I just googled. As far as I'm concerned, all you new waivers are in purgatory, and apparently we mentioned it in episode 37. We did. Yeah, it's in quotes here. Oh my gosh! Well, that was yeah. long. It was years ago. It's got quotes from us in this. This is back when we had an igloo site for a while. Some of this stuff is just going to be me bitching. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> anyways. Uh, this is not transitional. It is very very confusing to me. Backup is not sync. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. Are these things we've said? Hmm. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, it's about sinking. Um, you know, if we have more, we we can we can uh, uh provide them. But I think we we uh we have a uh, do, you have, do you have any follow-up? I don't think I have any follow-up. I have a movie suggestion, but it's not it's technically out falls outside of the follow-up category. Okay, give me some fake follow-up. Uh some fake follow-up is uh 
The movie is called Coherence. Coherence. I think I bought this. It is a... Coherence. A sci-fi... I guess you would put it in the category of sci-fi. It's a couple of years old. It's from here, 2013. I'd say it's an American uh, science fiction thriller film. Okay. I'll go along with that. Yeah. And it... I was not sure what to expect. A couple people the other day on Twitter, I said, hey, what, what, what's good to watch? And a, a handful of people suggested this movie. And I thought, all right, my Twitter followers are smart, very smart people. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. take their advice and uh, and got this. And it is a very interesting movie. Um, it's, I, I mean, a sci-fi thriller, like you say, like I say. So it's like a good, say, so. it's a good movie. It has basically the premise is uh, there is a a dinner gathering amongst friends, and at the same time that this gathering is happening there is a comet that is passing overhead. And the comet is reported by the news that, uh, that, that there might be some weird effects from it. Uh, but they, they don't really go into detail, and it's not told. It's, not, it's, it's more like you're a member of the dinner party. You're just kind of hanging out with them. It's, it's uh, very... I w- you know, almost has like an independent film. Wait a minute. Do people keep leaving the party? Yes. I've seen this. It's very I saw this. I was on a time travel jack and I watched it. It's totally low budget, but it's a really fun movie. It's a really fun movie. And, and this, of course, when they talk about, uh, I guess you could, before you watch this movie or maybe after, you could look up what's co- something called the many worlds interpretation. MWI. Yeah, I, well, I think you said enough. I, I, I yes, I, I saw this and I can recommend this. Too. Very cool movie, and uh, I had a lot of fun with it. So I figured that I would recommend it to our listeners. You know what the budget was? Schrodinger's cat. Schrodinger's cat. Fifty thousand dollar budget. That's crazy. One Isn't of the, that amazing. Yeah, one of the interesting things that won't won't hurt anyone to know before they see it is that the writer director of the film, the people that he hired, none of it was written, and there was no script. He brought the people together and and said, "Look, like this is the background. This is your character's motivation. This is the what you should talk about in this scene." But it was for for all intents and purposes, it was an improvised kind of a kind of a film. So it's it makes it more interesting. The people seem very natural. Um, it was really good. It's really good. Yeah, it, you could watch uh, it a couple times and pick something out. Yeah, I remember. I went through that jag not too long ago, like around the time watching Predestination and all yes. this. So people were suggesting. So my iTunes is loaded up with all of these like weird time travel movies. You've and, seen, you know, have you seen uh, uh, Primer? You've seen Primer? We've talked about Primer. Yeah, I yeah, love Primer. Love that movie. Yeah, I love it a lot. And in a way, Memento is a time traveling movie too. Yep, yep. And there's another one I, 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 uh, I got tired and didn't get to see the end of it, but there's a really good... Oh, what's the name of it? I'll find it. But it's a this Australian movie. I think it's Australian. Where this guy is having relationship troubles, and basically he and his wife go for the first anniversary. They're going to go like recreate where they went, and he's trying to recreate this event, and it involves time travel, and it's pretty great. I am such a fool for time travel. It doesn't have to be a great time travel movie, but like I, the concept of time travel, I've come to realize I really, and not just like. Doctor Who, let's go have an adventure stuff. Yeah. But like where it's central to the plot. I just love that stuff. I just eat it up. I know we've talked about it a little. I'm totally with you on this. Do you prefer the kinds of time travel where the uh, where where whatever you this do kind has that kind. already happened or the yeah, kind right, where, right, right. do you have a preference? I'm interested in both. In my head, the 
everything's really actually happening and the, the, the non-multiple right. universe right, one right, right. tends to appeal to me because I can follow it better logically. But in the example, I mean, I don't want to spoil Primer. If you haven't seen Primer, just uh, please take me take me at my word here and just go watch Primer. Please. And then spend the next week Googling for diagrams about Primer. Um, I found that a very satisfying movie. I thought Predestination was predest- – well, we did like practically a whole episode on Predestination. Um, I thought that was – that movie was right in my wheelhouse. That one I, – I still – I explained – we were uh, out of town a few weeks ago and I explained the plot of that movie to my daughter. I was trying to explain it to her and I was like – I. I was continuing to anyway. I don't want to say any more. I don't want to spoil it. That's the problem. You see, even when you say there's a spoiler, now people are going to look at be looking out for something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Dan, did you want to tell me about something that you like? Oh yeah, I'll tell you about something. I, I'm actually I'm doing it right now. You're doing it. I'm doing it. It's Warby Parker. They're oh. first of all they're back. They're back sponsoring the show again. Hello. And they and uh, they maybe they never left. Oh, Bootstrap Paradox. Yeah. They've always been right. Yeah, Mm. that's like the watch in Lost, the the pocket watch, Locke's pocket watch, Locke's pocket watch. Does it ever? Where where does it come from? You can't ever find out where it comes from. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal. They wanted to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. I've worn Warby Parkers exclusively for many many years. I think I was reading an article. I think it must have been on like org where he was talking about his, these, I think he had a link to someone who was talking about their experiments in like ordering, uh, ordering glasses online and these sort of kind of like not great experiences that they had. And then I saw Barbie Parker and all of these frames that were online were all like the kind of chintzy little like metal frames that that i didn't like that wasn't my style and warby parker came out like these are the cool these glasses look cool like these are they're and they're really affordable they're like like 95 bucks which is really i don't know if you've anyone who shopped for glasses is like well maybe the frames are 95 dollars, but not the lenses this includes if i I look at frames at my eye doctor's place you're you're talking nothing's under 200 it's more like 400 dollars for frames and that just seems it seems crazy to me but that's you know that's the racket well warby parker the only place you can go and get them i suppose if you're in like brooklyn they have like a like a storefront you can go to but they're they're an online operation and what you do is you send them your prescription you put in your information and uh and and then they they send you these glasses for starting at 95 bucks and they're great i'm wearing them now hold on i gotta tell you it says on the frame here which ones they are these you are say the, you're a sibley man the well i was i, I wear the wilkies now and uh, so that's what I've got. See, I got an- another pair of those. And I had another one for sunglasses. So it's like, it's perfect. It's great. And here's the, the way that this works is with all these different frames to choose from, you want to be able to try them on and see which one you like the same way that you would if you walked into a glasses store. So the way that they fix that is they send you a box with five frames that you pick from their website. So you go to their website, you do your, it's called, they call it a, a home try on. And you pick those five frames that you want to try. They send them to you. It's a prepackaged deal. You try them on. You keep them. And then when you're when you're done trying them on, I think you get them for for five days or a week. You put them back in the box. It's pre you know addressed and and paid for postage and everything. Sends it back to them. And you you can do that several times. Like you don't you're not limited to just those five. Although you'll probably find one you like. And then, uh, then you just do it, uh, order it. it it's, it's risk-free. So here they have a special URL. It's Warby Parker, W-A-R-B-Y, warbyparker.com slash Dan. 
for this show, the code, you know, slash Dan. It's your show. Pick the, pick the five frames you want to try on and, uh, and do, do your thing. I, yeah, I switched to the, uh, to the Wilkies because John was giving me a hard time uh, about um, them being so, like, the, the, the Sibleys were so sort of, like, narrow, mm. which was the style of the time. Yes. But he said, you know what? You can try something a little, try something a little bit different. And I said, all right. And I did. And I, he was right. They're good. Hmm. So thanks, Warby Parker. WarbyParker.com slash Dan. Buck, buck. Good company. Yeah. No complaints. The film to which I was referring is a Australian comedy from 2014 called The Infinite Man, uh, directed and written by Hugh Sullivan. Uh, I bought it on the iTunes Pretty sure it's up there, so go check out uh, the Infinite Man. I put all the many of these things. I think not. I'm gonna say all. I'm gonna say all of these things. <laughs> many, many, many of these things I put into show notes. Dan, Dan, Dan. And as much as you're comfortable or able to say, where would people find show notes? Ah, uh, you go to five by five for episode two seventy three. Yeah, cheese and crackers. Five by five TV slash a B is in brothers. Two is in the numeral. W is in women <laughs> slash. Two seven three. Two seven three. Show notes are there. The Infinite Man, twenty fourteen. A man's yeah. attempt to construct the ultimate romantic weekend backfire. Attempts backfire when his quest for perfection traps his. Ooh, I don't want to say it. Yeah. Ooh. They do so much great stuff in Futurama with time travel, of course, but sometimes very touching. Yeah. Really like it. <clears throat> That's a, hell, that's, a, that's a hell of a program. Yeah, it is. John Roderick likes that program. He never admits to watching TV, but I think he's seen a lot of TV. I think he spends most of his time on TV. <laughs> right? Look at that. There's a little <laughs> short video of Ed Rooney saying nine times. You can watch that on YouTube. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. Nine mm-hmm. times. Nine times. Mm. It's a fool's paradise, Mrs. Bueller. Down the primrose <laughs> path. <laughs> mm. Um... Now I'm just reading about nine times. Wow, yeah. his mom was so 80s looking. That whole movie really is. Yeah. I just watched The Freshman again the other day. <sighs> it's such a yeah, great movie. Yeah, she is. Your Komodo dragon. Carmine said two boys. Or one boy, <laughs> hero two. <laughs> hero two. <laughs> hero two. Carmine said one boy, hero two. Oh my God. And, uh, and it's so great, so fun. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Bruno Mars. What's his name? The guy from Spinal Tap. The guy from The Godfather. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. <laughs> is that his name? Bruno Kirby is, uh, he played Clemenza yeah. in Godfather 2. Yeah. And he was the driver in Spinal Tap. I didn't know he died. He didn't die. Did Bruno die? Kirby's dead. He was in, uh, he was in When Harry Met Sally. He died. Oh, no. Are you kidding no, me? No, I'm not. I would not joke about death. He died in 2006? Look at that. I had no idea. I had no idea. Aw. Aw. I really enjoyed him. Wow. I'm sorry to hear he that. He died on August 14, 20, uh, 2006 from complications re- related to leukemia. Oh, no. Oh, that's no good. You oh, don't want that. I know. Uh, A lot of films. Sleepers. Donnie Brasco. You know what, he was in Donnie Brasco? You know what they should call that book? They should call that book, Yes, Yes, I, yes, I Can... If Frank Sinatra, if, uh, if Frank Sinatra says I can, because he runs all that, you know. Is that what, is that what the line is? What yeah, is I think it's approximately the line. Are you a big Spinal Tap fan? 
Um, I mean, yeah, not as big as it used to be. It doesn't, it's not as ridiculously funny as it was for the first 10 years of its existence. It's, you know, been not done lots of places, but it's, I still quote it a lot and I, no, I love it. I, I love it. I don't, I'm not as crazy about it actively as I used to be. It's more like how I feel about Star Wars where I'm like, yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Well, how about you? Nah, I was never a big, this is Spinal Tap fan. Uh, I liked it, but I love a best in show. Have you seen that? <sighs> really? Well, I assume it, but I got to ask. It's a, you Used know. to be I could name every kind of nut. <laughs> of course I've seen Best in Show. I love Best in Show, <laughs> so and I really, really love um, Waiting for Guffman. I have not Waiting seen Waiting for that. Guffman. Oh, come on. Parker Posey. She's in that too? I like her. Does she have the braces still? What, with Bumblebee? Yeah. With the- <laughs> Busy Bee. <laughs> Busy Bee, that's it. Busy Bee. obviously bee. don't know my dog. <laughs> You know, the problem with Christopher Guest movies is that they get mean a little bit. To, like to the actors. Christ- well, Christopher Guest's oeuvre is very funny, but when you've seen enough of them, you start to realize that his bit in some ways, apart from doing brilliant character studies, like, you know, he gets talent in those movies. Like, I don't know, I just, I, I'd, I'd watch Eugene Levy paint a wall. As long as he does the eye crossing thing, I'm in, you know? <laughs> I'm not wearing underpants. <laughs> it's a funny movie, but you start to realize that it's about, it's basically about the hilarity of rubes whose dreams are crushed. <laughs> That's kind of what happens in almost all of his movies. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, A Mighty Wind, it's about like trying to recapture this, this thing you'll never have again from the, the folk era. But Waiting for Guffman still has some gentleness to it. I, I hate you and. I, I hate your ass face. That'll be funny after you've seen the movie. I'm going to get it. It's good. So we covered a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. You had a topic for this week. I did. I did have a topic. This is true. You did have a topic. That's a statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google I.O. I guess that was last week, right? At least. Wednesday. And one of the things that they kind of announced at Google I.O. was the how hard Google is working behind the scenes at, I guess you would call it AI. Machine learning. Machine learning, artificial intelligence, services related to that, which we have talked about at length here. We've talked about it in the form of the Amazon Echo. We've talked about Siri. We've talked about all these great things. And Google is really, really throwing a lot of their focus and resources behind this. And so a lot of folks have been talking about what does this mean and how does Apple fit into this? And a number of people have written good articles. I'll put Marco's into the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there it is. He calls it, uh, if, if Google's right about AI, that's a problem for Apple. And I he, think Marco ends up regretting a lot of his headlines. <laughs> his, well, I mean, his the, articles I are think always the editors good. editors are the ones who pick the, the headlines, aren't they? He's just, he's just the writer. Yeah. Right, that's true. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Uh, but he makes he makes a he makes a very interesting and salient point, which is you know, what is the puck that we should be skating toward at this point? He says this was originally titled "Avoiding BlackBerry's Fate," but I changed it to better reflect my angle of if this happens, it's bad, rather than this is what will definitely happen. But it, the right. essence of the article is, companies like Google are working on these big data AI services. And a company like Google has always focused on being a big data services kind of place. 
And Apple needs to become that. And his his uh, thinking is, and, and please correct me if I get it wrong, but his thinking is Apple has never really been especially good at that. And if Apple doesn't get very good at that, they will be left behind the way that the BlackBerry, which pioneered the idea of texting on your phone and, and messaging in an effective way, that Apple will go the way of, of BlackBerry. And this is interesting to me. Um, well, also, also at like BlackBerry, I mean, BlackBerry did fine for a few years. They were kind of whistling past the graveyard as everybody yeah. laughed at the, not everybody, but a lot of people laughed at the iPhone. I guess most famously Steve Ballmer. And, you know, this is the silly thing. Apple can't just, one does not just walk into the phone business. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like, you know, such a kind of ongoing thing. But then it was, and BlackBerry did okay for a few years. They continued to do well. It's just that, you know, it was a, what, a, not a trailing economic indicator, but it's the kind of thing where, like, they, the, the writing was to some extent on the wall. It's just it was written kind of small. That's, That's a pretty good, good way to say it. It's real good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, John Gruber made a comment, and I'll put his, uh, his sort of response to that in the show notes also. Um, John is, uh, is linking to Marco's article and also how Craig Maud writes it. And Craig Maud says, when the interface becomes invisible and data-based, Apple dies. Right, right. And John says, that sounds right to me, but I'm not sure I accept the premise that the rise of AI assistance will decrease in any way our desire for devices with screens. In other words, even even if these services are great, people will still want devices with screens. I I was curious about that because I'm not I'm not so sure that I agree with that. I Oh right, I saw your toot about that. Yeah, yeah, and I got a lot of really, really interesting conversations into really interesting conversations with people on Twitter about it. Because, you know, one of the movies that uh, that that I enjoyed recently was Ender's Game, but I really loved all of the Ender's books, especially Ender's Game, the first book. Really, really loved that book. And there's a lot that happens, in, as usual, that happens in the book that doesn't make it into the movie. I thought the movie was good, but it didn't it, – it felt very much like an adaptation of the book, it taking – cool elements from the book and making them into a pretty cool movie. The, the book felt very different to me. And one of the <clears> things that was missing from the book is that Ender has, um, or eventually gets a, what you might call a computer assistant whose name is Jane. And she's not just artificially intelligent, but I don't want to ruin anything, but essentially becomes almost um, omniscient, if not uh, omnipotent, but all knowing able to look up anything, provide information, and eventually she becomes quite powerful as well in, a, in as much as a computer could be powerful. But, you know, he could, he could communicate with her. I guess he had some kind of earpiece and he could communicate with her through sub-vocalization. So kind of speaking almost in like a like less than a whisper to himself uh, in, in his mouth and in a way that other people wouldn't be able to really hear or understand, but that Jane being an incredibly intelligent AI could easily understand and could speak back to him. So it could do anything from, you know, he could want to get information and it would, it would respond and she would tell him things. She was always listening so she could hear his conversations and easily chime in with, with background information or answers or whatever. And this is, this is absolutely the future, I think, that we're heading toward in one implementation or another. And that is the idea that, you know, if we have an Amazon Echo or whatever the, the distant future 
grandchild of the Amazon Echo is, that it wouldn't just sit there waiting for commands. That if you and I were on the phone and we said, hey, do you want to grab lunch on Wednesday? And you're like, yeah, yeah, why don't we go to that sushi place down on Briar? And you say, oh, Briar? Yeah, okay, Briar, we'll see you there. How about 1230? Okay, cool. That it's smart enough to, to look at the schedule and hear that we just made an appointment and know that we made an appointment and and yours is doing the same thing and now it's booking that appointment for us or if you want to make it even a little bit more simple you know be able the the idea that you could like they were giving me one of the um, people I was talking to said kind of like her in the movie her where you could simply say hey I want to have lunch with Merlin next week um I was thinking of that sushi place we went to last time can could you set that up and that it would my little assistant would talk to your little assistant and make sure that we had a day that was coordinated. And then your assistant would say, Dan wants to have lunch at the sushi place. And you're like, oh, no, that one closed. But here's a new one we should go to instead. And they work it out together. Like, we're not that far from that kind of artificially intelligent assistant. So bring this back to the to Gruber's comment. I realize that, you know, there's things I definitely like to do on my phone. There's a lot of stuff that visually is fun. Instagram is fun. Reading, uh, reading books or news or information and things like that. Getting that information and skimming things, doing email. There are things that obviously lend themselves to activities you would do while, you know, on a screen. But there's very, very little that I would rather do aside from those tasks that I would rather do on a screen. A, a really good example is get an Uber or use open table or set up a calendar appointment. All of these things that, um, that we have to sort of, even the best applications, we kind of have to wade through them. You know, when I look at what's on my home screen, you know, like, yeah, I've got Google Maps on there and I would very much want to be able to look at a map. But when you're driving, you don't really want to look at the map. You just want to know where to go. So we're like we're already moving in that in that direction. This morning, I tried 50 times from the shower shouting at my phone to try and get hey, uh, hey telephone to work. And it didn't work once. It didn't work once. And it didn't I'm about I'm about one for seven. <sighs> I wish I had been one for seven. It couldn't do it now. The, the Amazon Echo hears me. We've got the, the dot finally came in and I put it in the far corner of our living room, plugged in in the back. And you can say in a regular speaking voice from the dinner table, you know, hey, what time is it? And it'll tell you. I mean, it, it's, it, it couldn't be better. And so Apple, you know, they, they do need to catch up here. And I'm just, I'm definitely in the, and so many people on Twitter, many people on Twitter said, Oh, just imagine people, you know, all talking to their devices instead of just tapping on the screen. I'm like, people have been talking around each other forever. Go to a restaurant in a city, and what do you hear? You hear people talking. Go to well, it's a, not like it's not like a minority report interface. No. It's not something that would be truly novel and onerous in how silly it would look in public. No, talking is a is so. a thing that people have done for many years. Yeah, yes. And you know, when people are like, oh, imagine people in their offices talking, dictating instead of I'm like, dude, walk into any office right now and it's people talking, 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 talking. They talk on the phone, they talk on chat, they're in Google Hangouts, they're talking over everything. They're all talking they're talking to to other human beings that are in front of them and you hear both voices. Like this is not this is not a disruptive thing. Like, oh imagine on airplanes and people were talking. I'm like, yeah. Because we have that right now. People talk to each other on airplanes and they sing to their songs and their kids scream and they watch TV and they li like we're not going to get away from that. 
Now, some people said that they would feel awkward talking into a device. And I remember it very vividly. This brought back the, uh, the, the memories I had when having phones with the little headsets with the microphone and the headset was a new thing. And, you know, people would kind of like, they would pinch the, the headset cable and hold it out in front of them. So they were kind of speaking more directly into the microphone, but then other people would just let it hang and they'd just be walking and talking at the same time. And people are like, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing that. People think I'm insane. And you know what? Like people did think you were insane. And then a year later, everyone was doing it. This, yeah. We're not that far away from this. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I'm curious to know what you think about all this. And I'm very curious to, to know if you're the kind of person like me who would much rather talk and, and have those things just happen with a great degree of intelligence, with a great degree of accuracy, or if you're one of the people who would rather look at, look at your phone and tap to do it. Well, I mean, there there are already some things that I got a million angles on this. I'm not sure where to start. I mean, one is that the the you know anything that is truly new and novel, anything that is disruptive or revolutionary, must necessarily seem weird, silly, impossible, and dangerous at first. If it doesn't seem weird, silly, impossible, or dangerous, it's probably not very new. Because your stupid lizard brain is hardwired to go, oh, I could see how I would use that. Like, if you if you can see how you could use that, then it's probably not that new yet. Right. That's why the demos focus on things that help you understand how, how you would use this technology in a way that's already familiar to you. It's why the iPhone was called an iPhone instead of a tricorder or whatever. You're like, you know, it's like, we, well, we call it a phone because people buy phones. So if we call this a phone, <clears throat> they're going to buy this thing that's mostly a web browser. It's a portable web browser right. plus other stuff. But we can't call it that. Nobody would buy that. That's weird. So, you know, I think it's – I'm, I'm sounding dramatic about this because it's something I've struggled with and I'm trying really hard to get better at is to quit being such a dingling about not seeing the future on its own terms. Where, like, if it doesn't conform to my idea about how we operate in society, whatever that means, mm-hmm. like, it's got to be stupid and dorky and impossible and possibly dangerous. So I'm trying to get past that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think there's so many layers to this though. I mean, there's the layer of like, how do we get to where, how do we get to where either speech recognition is much smarter about hearing and parsing, or we get much more compliant about learning the command line of how to talk to the echo. That's going to be an evolution. Yeah. But I mean, who knows what that's going to turn into? It's, it seems so facile. I mean, it's like saying like, it would be like saying, like, I decided in 1997 that I'm never going to buy a portable or mobile phone. And, like, I made that decision, <laughs> and I'm never going to go back on it. Right. Dude, that was 19 years ago. <laughs> and in those, in that amount of time, could you, is that a position you still want to defend because you still want to be right in 1997? Like, good luck on, on having a, a normal life if that's your attitude about stuff. No. So there's the, there's the speech recognition part. Which you know is it varies a lot from place to place. There is the layer that's about quickly parsing that into something. There's the what somethings you can do. Right. There's the who who and whom somethings about what you can do stuff with. And that's why, as as beaten to death as this conversation has been in the last two weeks, I continue to still find it interesting because you can already see how the business development relationships, privacy concerns, and various companies existential hangups. I already see ways this is going to be hampered in the next few years, not allowed to turn into the thing that it wants to become. I think it's incredibly interesting. And when, you know, when people say stuff like, say this kind of stuff, like, well, I'd always rather have a screen. Okay. Like, I guess that's true. But I mean, can you say that about almost everything? 
What is, what is arguably the most powerful way to interact with a computer, especially a Unix-based system? I would say probably the command line. If you learn the command line, you're going to be able to very quickly do some extremely powerful things. What's the best way to draw? What's the best way to create? Let me put it this way. What's the best way to create a freehand image? Is that Bash? <laughs> well, you know, there's probably some Bash in there somewhere. But Bash <laughs> is not the best way to make a drawing. Right. I'm not going to make my daughter go in and like have to read an O'Reilly book in order to figure out how to make an SVG. Right. Because I have a device over here that I can draw on with a pencil. Okay, so who wins that? Well, nobody wins because that's a false dilemma. Like, that was never a decision to begin with. So, I mean, you can cherry-pick all these arguments that you want and try to make a case for this one thing or another instead of listening to what the future wants to be in the near term, let alone what the future wants to be in the long term. And I, I happen to feel that it's a little bit, it's more than a little bit short-sighted to just try and s- shut all this stuff down by going, that's silly, who's going to talk in public into a device? Yeah. Well, who, who knows? But I mean, you know, I think our biggest concern at this point is not being imaginative enough. Like a lot of people have talked about, like I talked about this on ATP, they've talked about the salon and the relay shows. Like one of the big hangups with this, as John Syracuse said, you know, you see a demo where somebody goes, order Indian food. And there's like, there's like nine different ways that that's mind boggling yeah. to me. Because if I just said order Indian food, like which place is it? Do they deliver? How long will it take? Did they screw up the, did they screw up the biryani last time? Is it going to have those little bits in it that my daughter doesn't like? And certainly there's a way around that to say like, okay, well, eventually we order my favorite Indian dinner. But again, that's a tech demo. Yeah, That's it, a tech it, demo I love to show that you're what you can this. do. I love that you're saying this because in real life, humans are very particular and they're very picky. And once in a while, you find that person who's like, "Yeah, I don't care what toppings you get, whatever." But most of the time, they're like, "Well, you can't, you can't get the pepperoni from Dino's Pizza. Only Gino's is going to have that." You know, like, th- like their people are particular and they have things. And no, no, no human ever said order Indian food. No one. They, they said, which place do you want to go to? Well, let's all come to a consensus and, and, and go get it from that place. You know what I mean? Like yeah. human beings are very, very specific and particular. And that's, you know, the, the, I, the one thing that I don't really hear people talking about in this particular space, and, and it applies directly to the fact that we are particular, is the devices – our little intelligent assistants, those little those little bots out there doing doing our work for us, they will communicate with each other, and they totally nail this in the in the movie Her. Mm-hmm. In that that if I want to schedule something with you, my bot is going to go and talk to your bot. It's it's not going right. to talk. It's going to be like it's going to be like autonomous cars. We're like the the world of autonomous cars. We've talked about this at least a couple times before. But right now, the idea of self driving cars seems bananas for a number of reasons. One of which is we love to drive. Another of which is we think that we are good drivers and other people aren't. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like what we're not. So we're only seeing the near term where this little Jetsons car is out there killing kids on the street because reasons. But like what you're not seeing is okay. Now add 15 years to that. Add 40 years to that. And imagine the idea. I mean, it would be like it would be almost the same as saying like, oh, I would never ride on a bus because just anybody can drive a bus. Well, no, you have to be a trained bus driver to drive a bus. So like, you know, the thing is, what if what happens when all the cars are talking to each other, that it becomes almost like, you know, like cat five cable or something like when they're able to talk to each other, they're not going to need the meat bag behind the right. pedal. Telling would just it what to be do. in the way. It's just, it's, and so all of these things that converse, somebody tries to shut down the conversation by immediately, you know, trying to introduce this one little hang up in their own little psyche about how this can or can't work. And that's where it falls apart. And then of course you can, you could be totally, you could take this to ridiculous ends. Like for example, I can, sh- I can show you today 
why nobody's using electric in their house anymore. Right? Yeah. You, know, you, know how, you know how at one time they thought electricity was really going to catch on, and then nobody <laughs> ever did it? No one ever wanted it. No, well, here's why. Like, think about it. You go to Home Depot, and you got to pick out wires. Who, yeah. who among us, who among us understands how to get wire from wherever <laughs> electricity comes from into the glass light-making tube? Like, nobody, nobody knows how to do that. <laughs> oh, 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 you ever go out and buy glass light-making tubes? You know how many kinds there are? There's so many different kinds of glass light-making tubes. And then think about this. What about the, what about the finger smacker that you put on your wall unit and be able to turn the light tube on and off? You can get all different kinds. You can get kinds where it turns up and down. Right, <laughs> but that's not how you think about electricity. That is not how you think about light bulbs, and that is not how you think about your goddamn light switch. You got a light switch, you installed it in your house, and now you use it, and suddenly the mystery disappears. And now you don't even think about the fact that you have a little switch that you hit to make your bathroom have light in it. That's, I mean, is that ridiculous? Maybe. But when I hear people saying, "Oh, you know, snapping their suspenders while they're sitting by the pickle barrel, and going, hey, ain't nobody ever going to talk into a phone to make an Indian meal," are you sure? Like, how far out are you really planning this? Yeah, because again, I think it's a it's a it's the failure of imagination in the short term that's going to hinder this, alongside some very serious business concerns that I think we could talk about. But I'm totally with you, you know. And like to understand to take the future on its own terms, you have to stop trying to hurt it into being the thing that you can understand mm-hmm. and start trying to regard it as a thing that you can begin to, that you can begin to see in a context that is not comfortable or familiar to you. Mm-hmm. That's how you, become, by the way, spoiler alert, that's also how you become a good human being is to like get better at understanding the context that is unfamiliar to you. Like everything seems weird and dangerous until it's really normal. So I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant, but I no, I, you're agree not. With I mean, you. I totally, I I think you're on the right track for sure, and I think that 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 is, it's not that people are afraid of it, but they're they they feel comfortable with the thing that they have, they like it for certain reasons, and they don't want that thing to be taken away. So when they hear that we all have intelligent assistants that we can just talk to, to them, what they're also hearing is, and that means my iPhone will be gone or my Android will be gone or what my Windows phone will be taken. That's that's what they are afraid of. You know, Apple came out with this new butterfly switch thing and a certain kind of keyboard that people don't necessarily like as much as the old style one and that now Apple might not make the old style one anymore. Well, they're, they're taking away the thing that I like, you know, Oh, they're not going to make these Adidas anymore. I better go buy five pairs right now. So I have the next five years covered. And that's what mm-hmm. people are, are adding on to it, whether or not that's true. And again, I'm not gonna, just going to talk about the movie her, but if I remember right, the little, the little device that he kept in his, in his shirt pocket, which was his, you know his portal to communicate with her if i remember right i feel like it 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 had like a little cover on it and that it was some kind of a smartphone type device that he could look at and read and see things on as well it was a, it was like a, a futuristic ipod right and so yeah. i i think what what we are going to see at some point is a marriage of these different technologies in a, in the form of a portable uh a portable device that Yes, you you know what? Maybe you want to do something silently on it. Well, you can do that. But for a lot of things, you probably would just want to talk to it. And it, it people will realize that it's it's generally speaking, it is much easier to talk to something than it is to navigate through it yeah, and it, a lot it, of things. It depends. And 
I guess I'm trying to encourage something in other people that I fight to remember on my own. And I guess if I had to distill it down, it would be it would be distilling it down to something like this. Try and figure out more and more often where you think something's impossible because of what turns out to be a false dilemma. And but what do I mean by a false dilemma? A false dilemma is like where where you come up with this like this binary thing that must or must not be a, a certain way. Right. And it's 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 the heart of so many analogies that mean a lot to me, you know, like just just because you have a really nice suitcase doesn't mean you wouldn't also want a wallet. That is an analogy that applies to a lot of different things where everybody thinks, you know, think about the tools around your house. Think about all those things. The things that are familiar to us don't feel like false dilemmas because we understand that in a, in a modern suburban kitchen, you're allowed to have a knife and a spoon. <laughs> you ready for this? You might even have knives for doing certain specific kinds of things. And yeah, yeah, you know what? Spoons. Is that confusing to you? Do you have trouble keeping that straight in your mind? You're like, I don't understand why anybody would ever want a knife if you could get a sharp enough spoon. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's just that all those things make sense because that does not represent a logical leap for you. And it doesn't require you to see the world as being something different than what you're familiar with. Right. So, like, right, that's why I feel like right now, the thing that I think is, the thing that's more endangering to this really catching up in my head is having single providers for various kinds of services much more than it is about data and privacy. Although I would like to talk about that too. Yeah. I, would I, too. Have, a, I have a, a thought on that, but um, okay. To your point though, I mean, if you, if you, if you, there's a couple interesting thought experiments, the first thought experiment, and then maybe we'll hear about something you like, but one, one thought experiment, again, let's act like false dilemmas are, are, are a thing we don't have to have. Like, what if we allowed our minds to be just a little bit more relaxed and we breathe a little bit <laughs> and think about what this stuff could actually mean? Well, if you really think about it, there's some kinds of things. Let's just say it. There's some kinds of things you never want to scream in the air at a computer that probably didn't hear you, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you know, schedule my testicle surgery for next week. <laughs> hey, computer, schedule my... You don't want to do that. Okay, dumb example. Yeah, sure. Like really obvious one. But I mean, like even today, there's some there are some notifications I want on some screens and not others. There are there's a lot of things that are not a solved problem, but there doesn't mean I don't want to have notifications anymore. Just because I haven't had time to take my really fancy German knife to be sharpened doesn't mean I don't want to have knives anymore. Right. Like that's on me. Um and so like 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 you're saying though, I think, like there are certain kinds of information Think about this. Think about like the way everybody always wants to hear transcripts. They want to see transcripts yes. for podcasts. In my opinion, not a power user request. Most power users are listening to the show. If they're a super duper schmooper power user, they might want to have an indexable search. But I would feel stupid trying to pretend to our listeners that reading a transcript of this show is anywhere analogous to listening to it. Right. But there are people who would much rather read things than listen to things. There are people who would rather, for example, read things than watch a video. There are other people who would, oh my God, I would so much rather, can you just give this to me in a short video rather than have a phone call? And it's and the thing is, it's media all the way down. That all varies for different kinds of things. There are things you would put in an email that you wouldn't put in a greeting card. There are things you would yell into the air at Subway uh, that, well, that you wouldn't yell in the air at Subway that you'd feel very comfortable doing at your bedside. So like, let's all just relax that f down about like what isn't isn't possible because of what you can imagine like like you know what are you 90 like stop 
And so in this case, I mean, I have to tell you like, so, okay, so here's my big constraint. My big constraint right now is my devices don't, with the exception of the Echo, don't hear me very well. Right. Which is very frustrating. Jim Dalrymple claims never to have a problem with this. I cannot get my watch to hear me very well, even when I hold down the crown. Hey, Siri does not work well on my watch. I don't need reasons why. I'm sure there are reasons why, but let's just take it as red. That doesn't work particularly well. Yelling to my phone across the room, I wish that worked better. I wish my Siri devices heard me as well and clearly and functionally as the Echo. That's for right now, that's the main reason I don't yell more stuff at my watch. But I do very reminders, calendar events, looking stuff up. I do all that stuff. So, oh my God, my watch, I have to get the screen grab. Oh my God, you got to see this. My watch has been writing down everything I said. It did hear me. Oh my God. <laughs> this is brilliant. I'm going to quit ranting now. But, you know, like step zero, guys, Ugh. team, people. You know, let's let's just relax a little bit. Like it's 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 okay. It's okay to think about these things. It's not going to harm us to think about it. So let let me ask you this practically. Then, what goes where for you now, and what would you like to see go where in the near term? You're talking about well, given that you you know you spend a lot of you say you spend a lot of your day writing uh, writing you know computer programs. Do you do you want to be talking to your watch to write a computer program? Probably not. Definitely not. Because typing is better for that. But, there, but you already have a, I'm being silly, but you already have some sense of what goes where for sure. and why. Yes, yeah. yes. Like, for example, I, I I would much prefer to not have to look at a calendar or input things into a calendar. For example, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy that process. I do like scheduling things, but I don't like rescheduling things. I don't like shuffling things. I don't like looking for openings. I, I would much rather say... Um, see if Merlin's around next week. I want to have lunch with him, and mm-hmm. and that just happens. And then maybe, maybe you. Oh, uh, would you rather have lunch with him Tuesday or Thursday? Oh, how about Thursday? Okay, you guys are going to meet here on this day. And oh, you know what? I don't like that place. Switch it to here. That kind of contextual thing is we're not very far from that at all. But the 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 premise behind it is that that. That little bot that's doing that work for me is talking to to your bot doing that same kind of work for you so that your bot, which is speaking to you in uh, in a, a Scarlett Johansson voice, is talking to mine who's talking to me in a Jarvis voice, and they're working together to find that opening that you and I have for lunch or whatever it is so that we're not having to do it. And you're not talking to my bot. You're just talking to yours. And yours mm-hmm. talks to mine. That network, that behind the scenes thing, anything that's conducive to that is great. Yesterday, I was driving home. It took me 45 minutes to get home instead of the usual 10 minutes to get home because there was a wreck on the one main road that leads to the other two roads that I could have taken as alternate routes. So I was just basically stuck in it. Now, I didn't bother to look because that what this happens once a year so I, it's not like I need to check traffic every single day. But wouldn't it have been nice oh, right. if there was it's, something... It's not like Christmas. Right. It's not like something that... Yeah, it's it's a variable event. That's a really good example. And, and so get having something that would tell me that, that would understand, you know what? It's 5.30. Dan's about to leave. I know this. And I'm actually listening because you want to talk about the privacy. I'm listening to the fact that Dan is saying... Uh, I'm going to go now <laughs> that I, I should tell him, by the way, uh, there's traffic on your main route. 
I've sent you two other routes that will get you home quicker. And they're already there on my phone. It's ready to go. I don't need to then go to the app and find the app and type in the thing and look at the bookmarklet. None of that. It's just it. that little handheld screen is showing me what the artificially intelligent system thinks I should be looking at right now. I don't have to work through the phone and find the one app I like that it's just here's the directions you need. So Right, the, and then, then in order to talk to your wife, you have to go open the correct app right. to do video chat depending on what system she's on. Or, or how You don't want to have to do that. How about something that's even better than that, which is I let your wife know that you'd be... And your son, since he's got one of these things now, I let them know you'll be about 15 minutes later than usual. Or what if it told you 15 minutes early, you should leave a little bit early because there's a wreck, you know? And and it would let my wife know ahead of time without me doing it. Now, if, if she wanted to talk to me while I was driving, she would say, hey, call Dan. Uh, I want to talk to him for a sec. Or you know what? Um, just tell Dan, do this, that, and the other thing. And, and my, assistant's going to hook it up. You know, all of these incredibly time-saving things that we do that we can execute so simply and in such a straightforward way with a voice. I never would, for example, I never want to open up another contacts app ever again. Why am I opening up a contacts app? Yeah, that that feels like that feels like looking at raw JSON code at yes. this point. Yes, I mean to to do what? To call someone, sure. Right. I just I just want to know it just needs to know what plug goes into which, you know, socket. Right. And a lot of the time, I, it's not so much I want to even really have a text conversation with someone as much as I want to relay information. So, like, I was, uh, I was, I'm getting rid of a, a bunch of my, like, acoustic panels that are from the old office that I was in. And my friend Ryan wants to buy some of them. And he said, hey, are we still good for tomorrow? I said, oh, no, I can't do it. Something's come up. Wouldn't it have been nice because that new thing was on my calendar if my assistant could just tell him, oh, Dan senses uh, regrets, he can't make it to the thing tomorrow. Like, just do that kind of stuff for me. We shouldn't have to do that. And none of the things that I'm describing are beyond the capacity of the kinds of intelligence that we already have. I'm not saying go and, and, and solve some kind of energy crisis problem in the world. I'm saying you already know how to automatically schedule stuff. I use Calendly, uh, which is a really cool service. I can send someone a link to uh to my uh calendly page and then they can automatically pick a time to have based, a, based on rules you've established. based on rules i've established and based on my so i can say you know what never book any meetings for me between the hours of 12 30 and 1 30 and then by the way hook up to all my other calendars that i use whether they're the live show calendars whether they're personal calendars whatever and and look at those when you're scheduling stuff so that you know when i'm busy and you could go into this page right now and request a meeting with me and you would just click the thing you'd pick the time it's only going to show you the times that are i have available you pick the one you want and it automatically adds it to my calendar like we're one yeah. step away from the ai part already well and this is the interesting thing about you obviously realize this, but the interesting thing about all the stuff you're talking about here, this all would be interesting without respect to voice interaction. And I, I, I'm trying to avoid terms like AI because I don't really exactly know what that means. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of like intelligent uh, pattern matching, if nothing else, yeah. this does not require uh, Scarlett Johansson to work, what you're describing here. I, I mean, I'm thinking of something very specific that my wife goes through. You know, the worst kinds of frustrations, some of the worst kinds of frustrations in life are the things that happen 
like often enough, but not quite often enough to really think about. So like we, I live in San Francisco. San Francisco has a baseball team called the Giants. Right. The Giants play baseball games. The Giants play baseball games sometimes at home and sometimes in other people's cities. When the Giants play at home, sometimes, a lot of the times, most of the times they play uh, at nighttime. They, the right. game starts at 7.05 or something like that. And sometimes the Giants play what's called a day game, which is a game that starts earlier in the day. My wife has a job at a place very, very near, like within a stone's throw of the stadium where the Giants play the baseball. So what agent out there, what we want, what I want is an agent. <laughs> I saw you post that again. <laughs> <laughs> no more attempts on my father's life. It matters to me. So like, this is not super difficult, but like, so, you know, everybody who works at Mission Bay has a Giants calendar by their desk. Not because they're Giants fans, but because they know what a poop show it's going to be uh-huh. to try and get anywhere when there's a day game. Um. Now, that, what I'm describing here, you don't have to be an expert in, in, in Pearl in order to, to write this little routine. But what is, a, what is a good way to be informed? Oh, by the way, this is one of those days that happens, what, six times a year? Ten, maybe ten times a year where there is a day game in town. Let me know about that because there's ramifications to that. So, like, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. But then for it also to be mindful and in context. Like, you know what? If I'm out of town, I don't need to know about that. If I've already left for the day, I don't really need to know about that. If it's Sunday, I don't need to know about that because I'm not at work. Do you follow me? Yep. So, it's not, we're not talking about super difficult problems to solve, but that's just one weird example. And then the, the question becomes, and again, not specifically with regard to voice, but like, where does that stuff start bubbling up? How does it learn where you work? Well, you tell it. Okay. How does it learn that traffic is an issue sometimes? Well, I guess you kind of have to tell it or it has to learn. It isn't just as simple as saying there's a lot of traffic right now, although obviously that does help. It's just then the question becomes, how does it learn from you? How does it learn what is germane to you? And very importantly, I think we're going to realize quickly, how do we learn? Think about your no, like notific, notific, notification fatigue that you get where like there's just yeah, alert fatigue. idiotically, you idiotically hit the allow notifications and suddenly it's bouncing all over the place telling you stuff you don't need to know. Um, like where do you find the right level of it checking in with you to see if this is something you want to know, if you need to know Right. that, that to me is where this, this gets more interesting. And I mean, and like, you know, it's like, there's like gotta be a Pareto principle to this. I imagine that there's a huge amount of data that can be gleaned about stuff you care about by watching the patterns of how you behave and what happens to you over a period of say like three months. There's probably a lot of information. It's just a matter of learning what is definitely important to you that you know is important to you. What's the kind of stuff that's important to you, even if you don't know it's important to you yet? And what kind of stuff, super importantly, should be important to you that you aren't even thinking about right now? That's that's down down the road a little bit. That's where things get smarter about noticing things environmentally about how you roll, that like this is the kind of thing you might want to know about. More than just like a Yelp ad that pops up somewhere when you walk by because there's a beacon. But like something more like, you know, uh, you know, it seems like you've been experimenting more with Mediterranean food. Well, here's a really hole-in-the-wall place you would never think to go in. But when you walk by in this town, let me know about a place you wouldn't want to miss. So like how we get to that data set existing without being creepy, but also being useful and not being invasive or like overwhelming. Like to me, I feel like that's where the next step should be. But I do think there are risks to that. What are the risks? To talk about. Would you like to tell me about something you like? Oh, yes, I can definitely do that. Let me tell you about FreshBooks. Small, FreshBooks. small business owners rejoice ah uh, that was me rejoicing <laughs> I, I, I like that 
here's the thing. FreshBooks makes it so easy to invoice. That's what they do. That's their main thing. And like, come on, be honest. None of you like to do the day-to-day administrative work. You can't stand it. It's a grind. It's not fun. We don't like, I don't like invoices. You don't, you don't like invoices. None of us like invoices. I don't like to send invoices. I don't like to receive invoices. I don't like to process invoices. But you know what I do like? I like getting paid. I love to get paid. I love to get paid. And the truth is over 5 million small business owners feel the exact same way that we do. They were angry. They were upset. They were full of discontent. Now, they are rejoicing. FreshBooks, it's dead simple cloud accounting software that is changing how small business owners handle their paperwork, mainly invoicing. So it takes like 30 seconds to do an invoice from, you can even create a new company that you're invoicing on the fly as you're doing it. No like formulas, there's no formatting, just beautiful invoices that look great. They have your logo on them, all the information you want to do it in no time, but they also do online payments. So now when your client's like, well, do we have to write a check? Isn't that, isn't that very 1975 of you, you can say, yeah, you, you can do online payments, whatever uh, kind of service you want. You want to do PayPal, you want to do Stripe, you want to pay through through them, you can do it. Project deposits. This is a cool thing. It's, uh, it's a deposit feature, so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project. A lot of designers and developers love this kind of feature, and it, it's, it's really smart. And there's also this other entire section of FreshBooks called Insights. So it'll show you, like, has a client even seen the invoice that you've mailed them yet or not? And when did they see it and who saw it and how many times have they looked at it? This is just a tiny little section of what FreshBooks can I, can I mention do. one thing I love? Go ahead, caller. Yeah, thank you, uh, first-time booker. Um, there's, there's a lot to like all the things you're describing. Again, I always want to stress, as you have stressed, that hooking up a payment gateway is so easy. You can get paid via PayPal, Stripe, like whatever it is you want to get paid by, you hook that up. But here's the other part. When we say invoicing, like I think we end up being somewhat self-defeating because we're making this sound like a much larger and more onerous process than it is. Why? Because it used to be large and onerous. Okay, here's the thing. Let's say you've done some work for somebody and you want to get paid. You know what you need? You need an email address and a number. And that's it. So you basically, this is, this is so fast. I just, I don't want you to think that this is going to be like something you have to learn. You go into FreshBooks, you say create a new invoice. Is this a client you've worked with before? No. Okay, create a new client. And that client basically has a name and an email address. You don't even you don't need their like address or phone number. All you you just put in the email address. Right? Are you getting this? And then you say, I did this for this much money. Here's the terms. Please send it. And then they click, they literally click a button and pay you online. It is so fast and so easy. It's so lightweight. And if you don't, I mean, you don't need to go like hire out this entire phalanx of professional financial people to do this. I mean, certainly that helps in situations, but if you just need to basically move money from here to there, this is such a fast way to do it. And you make it easy on your clients too. It really does. You can go to uh, freshbooks.com slash back to work, all one word. And when you're signing up, enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section You'll get a free 30-day trial where you get to use the full system, no limits on it, and it's really great, and you'll see exactly how cool it is and why we like it so much. So thanks very much to FreshBooks, freshbooks.com slash back to work. Put back to work in the how did you hear about us section. Thanks very Fresh much. FreshBooks. 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 Well... I think there are things... Like this is, I have to tell you, Merlin, this is the yes. one thing 
that I'm actually excited about in technology for the first time in, in many, many years. Because, you know, you know what's going to happen? Our phones are going to get a little lighter. The batteries are going to get a little better. The screens are going to get a little bigger or smaller. They're going to get water resistant. Touch ID is pretty great. But like, I'm not excited about what Touch ID is, is going to do for, for us as a species. You know, it makes it mm-hmm. faster to unlock my phone and it makes it easier to buy things. And I appreciate that. I love that. I wouldn't want to use a device that didn't have Touch ID. But the idea of this contextually aware intelligent system that, that can handle things, that can do things, even without the predictive stuff, even without the warnings, just, you know, there is, there is something that, um, that the Amazon Echo can do called Simon Says. Have you experimented with this silly feature? I, I know of it, but I haven't. So what you, do, what you do is, and everyone can try this, you would wake up your Amazon Echo and you would say, uh, Simon Says, and then you say something. And whatever you say, it will just repeat back. That's all it does. It does nothing else. It serves no purpose other than just repeating back. Now, if you use curse words, it will beep them. Huh. So you can have fun with that. But it's amazing how accurate it is. I cannot get it to make mistakes, really. Wow. It's you can speak quietly or loudly, quick or slow. And, and you know, I'm really excited what Google is to see what Google is going to come out with with their um, the device that they announced at I.O. Because Google has mm-hmm. so many services behind the scenes. But even like we said before, looking at what the Echo is doing week after week, new integrations, new things coming out. And the fact that the Echo itself, the physical device, is just a conduit for these, these services that are, um, that are living up in the cloud and on the internet so that we don't, we are not limited based on the device that we have. And I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure that they would love for us to buy a new one every six months or every year or whatever. But that's, that's only a small component, I think, of what makes uh, what makes the device successful and why I, I'm surprised that more people aren't willing to invest in something like an Echo uh, b- because you can buy this thing and I don't see why they would ever not work. You know, I think this is a purchase that will last many, many, many years until they get to the point where like, oh, the new device does doesn't needs to be plugged in once per month and you can take it with you and it's waterproof and, you know, like, okay, there's some cool things to to advanced hardware, but because the brains of this thing lives in the cloud, it lives away from, from you. And this is just a listening device with a speaker. There's so much that that, that everyone should be getting these things. And the more people that get them, the more I think it'll drive them improving this kind of a feature. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, just, I think I'm excited about this kind of technology, whether it's the computer learning aspect of it, whether it's the time-saving aspect of it. Uh, but I really don't think that we're going to be uh, staring at our devices for quite as long as everyone else seems to think that we are going to be. I, I share your interest in your optimism, even as I'm skeptical or concerned, a little concerned about the balkanization of these things where, you know, already now, I mean, Siri wins for so many things because it's got the integration. Being able to just hit that button and talk, that's pretty great. Even as Siri has not gotten better faster or more interesting, nearly at the pace that we might have guessed. I mean, Amazon Echo is great. And I mean, I just put a link in show notes to funny things you can say to your Amazon Echo. Um, 
I guess I guess it's a pretty solved problem, uh, the twenty questions game. But like, I'm still amazed. Anytime, I'm, I'm still amazed by devices that can do twenty questions and like how often it just gets it. Yeah, you can get one of those little things at Walgreens that'll do yeah, it. Yeah, I remember it, that. That's crazy. It's crazy. But there's all kinds of fun stuff. So I mean, you know, so it's still early days. Sure, we haven't even seen what you know Google's is actually going to be like. But you know, like a lot of people have said in the last couple weeks, in the wake of the I/O announcements, you know. It's it's almost a little bit like where we are right now with home automation. With the home automation stuff, you're mainly just getting more vendors that have more plugs and more light switches, even though nobody has electricity anymore. Um, but you're getting more and more of these things, but there's not that many things that speak that intelligently to each other because like, that's the way it works, is that you want to create an ecosystem, right? You want to suck all the oxygen out of the vertical. And like, as consumers, as users, as people, we want flexibility. We want, you know what I mean? And I'm not even saying that like a bullet list that you would, you know, have questions at a tech conference or something. I just mean in the sense that you don't want to have to think about internet being this this series of different bit nets and things and how you send different things to different people different ways like part of the beauty of the web or the open internet has been like you just you've got an email address you can send it to somebody that's feels like what you would what success would look like over needing a certain protocol or a codec in order to do this thing that everybody wants to do right more and more people want video calling maybe private encrypted video calling. yeah video calling that's not putting a vine up like, you actually just want to talk to your kid from a hotel room. Right. Like, so what are you going to do that with? Well, there's, you know, there's going to be five different ways to do that. Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Shut up. And so... Um, <laughs> what was it doing? It was... The blue ring was spinning. It was listening to something. Um, but what, so are, the, what are your privacy concerns? Not to jump ahead, but like, let's talk about that. Well, they're, they're slightly unconventional privacy concerns. And, and it's more, it's less about my privacy and the creepiness, although, of course, that bothers me as much as anybody. I'm thinking in particular about this article I read the other day that I put in show notes. This is written by uh, Douglas uh, Rushkoff, who recently put out a book called Throwing Rocks at the Google Bus. And it's um, on fastcoexist.com. The title of the article is, When the Data Bubble Bursts, Companies Will Have to Actually Sell Things Again. And it's very, it's a very sober, very straightforward, very like cold water to the face. Mm. Um, in some ways, it's a summary of what's in his book. But he just, he says some super interesting stuff in here. We're like, remember I said a minute ago, like, um, like let's imagine we didn't have uh, false dilemmas just to be able to have a conversation. I mean, imagine, for example, let's say that there was no practical reason to have privacy concerns because there was not much money to be made with our private data. Right. The trouble is that right now, the public face of what's happening is advertising. So, okay, we have advertising on a website, let's say. Let's say you have advertising via Google Ads or whatever. You've got all these, these creepy tracking services. Well, okay, why do you have ads on your website? Well, ads are a way that we get paid for you looking at our stuff. Okay, but those ads are only kind of about the ads. The ads are increasingly really about the data behind the ads, right. what they can gather about you and collate and what cross-reference across these different platforms. Like if you ever go into one blocker, go into one blocker and look at that little tab of what tracking stuff you're shutting off and it'll boggle your mind. It's, you know, I, I don't like to take bread off anybody's plate, but it's just there's so much of that stuff that is really actually so creepy to me. But here's the, there, there's this funny... Uh, turtles all the way down thing to this which is like okay well why would we do all this stuff well because 
you know, some 25 years into the public internet that we all know and understand, the only really consistent way to be able to make money is to have ads on things. And a lot of people don't seem to love doing that. They don't really even seem to give a fig about their advertisers. Some company sells it. They put it up. That's fine. Now, much information is being gleaned about the person looking at those ads. But what are they doing with the data that they get from those ads? My sense is that they're using it mostly to try, they're selling that data to mostly in the aggregate, to mostly to be able to sell more expensive ads or, or better targeted ads. I don't know if that's entirely true, but my, I don't think there's that many straight up companies out there that are like trying to sell you to Russian hackers. I think what's happening is they don't actually care about you. <laughs> Welcome to adulthood. They don't actually care about who you are and what you do. They care about what kind of stuff you buy, what kind of stuff you see. But there's this funny tangle of like, we have, we have to do tracking because we have to know how many people saw these ads. When these people see these ads, we have to know who saw it because that enables the tracking that sells the ads, that sells the tracking, that sells the ads, that sells the tracking. So what if we take it off the table? What, you know, is there a reason? I think maybe one reason Apple is not being so pushing so forward with this is they don't want your data. They want everything mostly end to end encrypted. I, the question, the question sort of becomes like, is there somebody out there who's willing to throw a huge amount of money into making machine learning technologies and devices that feed them? that is not in it to sell something else, right? Yeah. And I don't have a strong feeling. I'm just tossing this out. I mean, in the case of Amazon, I think, at least for the near term, Amazon likes being, uh, being, uh, having a growing ecosystem because, at least in the near term, that's a way to know more about you and what you do and also to, to serve you better, but also to sell you stuff. I mean, that totally makes sense. And in the case of, you know, a lot of Amazon's revenue comes from ads on their own pages. Very perplexing to me, but apparently this is a thing. But I mean, if you take advertising out of the equation and you take the data that you get from ads to sell ads out of the equation, what business model is left? A lot of these hardware devices are loss leaders, right? Yeah. A lot of these services are loss leaders, meaning that they there's either not much money being made or there's actually money being lost because it allows this other thing to happen. And so this is, I, as much as this sounds like I'm trying to talk about the ad industry, I don't really mean it that way. I really mean the tech industry. What, is it, what does the tech industry do that, that is not just leading to ads to sell things? And I think that's kind of the thrust of that article. Because, and, 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 and so I guess what I mean is I'm, it's less even about the creepiness and more about the, okay, well, if, if that is the end game for this, is getting more data to be able to do ads and stuff like yeah, that. yeah. That's more concerning as a risk for the health of that company to me than anything else. Because uh -huh. I think anybody could look at that and go, well, there's no there there, right? If you're basically just producing this stuff to be able to jam these ads and data suckers around it, like who's going to make the really great device that above everything else tries to serve the person who bought it rather than being the conduit for shaving off little bits of information that serve the people who sold it? Mm. No, no, I mean, I'm not trying to sound profound, but does that make sense? No, it, well, it is kind of profound. And I mean, it, it is this sort of weird cycle of like generating, it's like generating more data so that places will buy the data so that they can generate more specific data so that other places will buy the, you know what I mean? Like nothing is really there. Well, I mean, we would not have had a revolution in mobile technology unless there were a legacy communication system that needed to monetize the services that they sell. I think. I mean, nobody's going to, most people aren't going to buy a very costly mobile phone that doesn't connect with anything. Yeah. 
right? I mean, yeah. imagine being in airport mode forever. Yeah. Right? Pretty, so, pretty boring. Yeah. So, but it's the need to drive revenue to those services that made companies, that, that enabled companies to then go sell those devices, again, sometimes at a loss, because really they were selling the service. The handset was just whatever. I mean, that's, that's table stakes. Right. So, you know, it's just that, and I, I'm, again, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to absolutely avoid being a doomsayer, but, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to say, like, I, I it, with all that this intelligent technology can do, and on top of that, what the voice stuff can do, it would be a bummer if the five-year vision for that was it leads more people to look things up on Yelp. <laughs> so if that's the model by which we monetize all of this development, that's going to be a bummer. And as lots of people pointed out, whether it's that Indian restaurant, whether it's the hotel vendors inside of Hound, whoever that is, you know, whenever whenever you look at one of these, ask yourself, who's exchanging money and for what? And then, and again, not to be paranoid, but just to say, I, I, I don't know if I'm being clear about this. I think the, I think you have a reason to be paranoid, but I think the, 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 for our, our discussion today, the reason to be paranoid is these services are going to suck if it just becomes a way of trying to sell the same stuff we've already had for several years. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, is it going to really learn, as John Sarkisa said, is it going to really learn which florist you like to use or be able to interpret which florist is best for you, given conditions you're not even aware of? Nope. For mm. now, it's going to be the florist that they have a biz dev relationship with. And I think that that need to monetize this to somebody, for somebody, somehow to show it on the books, um, there's not any like MIT project afoot here. These are technology companies that need to make money. right? And that's partly why I say it's the failures of our imagination that are going to hamper this in the next few years. Because it's just going to be a way of saying like, I mean, the same way that when websites first came along, everybody's like, okay, well, we, we broke up this website into sections based on the silos for how we think about ourselves as a, as a company. You know, I mean, you realize that e-commerce is very different from brick-and-mortar commerce, that e-communications are very different from face-to-face -face communications, and that gets subtlety over time. It's just that what's going to happen, how will this get to grow and be awesome and be everything it can be? if the financing for it is being driven by companies that are trying to sell something else and we may not even know what it is they're trying to sell. And sh should it matter? I mean, I, the way, it's just such a complicated issue because I understand deeply that companies like Google exist based on this kind of data. And I've talked to Andy Nako a number of times on the show when he was really on his Android kick initially. And he was saying, you know what? I know that I'm giving up a certain degree of privacy to Google, but I get these really cool things back in return. Mm -hmm. And listen, and there's, some of them are very, very cool. Even just the thing that if Google knows where you work and where you live, then it'll know that about the time that you leave, which it knows because it can see the accelerometer or the phone is registering movement or you're using you know like it it knows when you're moving faster than a human being could walk it'll say you know what it's 5 30 you kind of leave at 5 30 here's the traffic like you're giving up a degree of privacy it knows what you're doing and to, the idea that these devices are listening all the time you know the amazon echo is listening to to my at least my side of the conversation right now it's listening for a keyword. But I would say, I don't know if it's listening all the time, it's hearing all the time. It's hearing. That's a good distinction. 
because it, theoretically, it's not supposed to be doing anything with that. It's it's going straight to dev null. Mm-hmm. Whatever it's capturing is going to the echo version. Theory. I guess so. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. No, that's I what think I it's going to their too. version of dev null immediately without ever going anywhere unless the stream gets adjusted to be parsed by the big bot. Yeah, and that's what we don't want to happen, right? We figure that mm-hmm. that if you know, I'm one of these silly paranoid people that puts a little spy dot on my screen. And I move it when I want to do a video chat. But, and yes, I know that like it's hardwired to the little green light so that if it's in use, that the little green light is on. Except when it doesn't. Except (laughs) when it does. But like, am I doing anything in front of the camera that I really wouldn't know? Like I'm at work in a studio office. And if this entire day was broadcast, then the, you know, the worst thing they're going to see me is, you know, like, when I take off my baseball ha- cap and, and my hair looks messy and like, I don't want that picture out there, but like nothing that I would really regret is some kind of huge violation of privacy. But the fact is like, I want to control when I'm on a camera and when I'm not on a camera and who's mm-hmm. looking at the results of what's on that camera. And I think everybody should want to feel that way as well. And certainly I would put one on my kid's uh, screen as well, because I don't want, you know, him accidentally broadcasting something or, or doing something, you know, like mm-hmm. these are these are important little things. And, and so if there's something that's hearing, but what if it was doing more than just hearing? What if it was listening when who, yep. who's on the other end of that? And am I worried about the NSA? No, but you've we've all heard stories about those little cameras that parents would use to watch their kids sleeping in the other room. And all of a sudden, some man's voice was coming across yelling, you know, like. That happened. Someone hacked into that. It's possible. It's not impossible that something could be compromised. So I think these are valid concerns. Um, But I mean, very related to, but slightly different from what I was saying. I mean, they're related in the sense that, you know, the things that we choose to be public and private about, it's nice to think that that's our own decision. Yeah. And that we make, we each each choose our own level of risk about the kinds of things. And that, that we hope have some level of control about what we decide to make public and private. I mean, you know, it's, I know you're not saying this, but I mean, to say that hacking is going to stop if we get rid of these devices, I think would be a little bit. No, no, yeah, no, that wouldn't happen. But right. So, so people doing stuff like people figuring out like how to hack a baby monitor. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's crime. <laughs> and we have laws for that. <laughs> yes, yes. That's that is certainly worrisome, especially as it gets less difficult to do, and we invite these devices in that are hackable. But you know, but what about the things where it's totally legal that what they're doing? And that's 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 to me the concerning part is that you know if anybody ever went and actually read the terms for anything that they use, they would stop using everything. It's 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 bananas. I mean, you go read your go read your. Uh, user agreement with your bank mm. they don't owe you anything <laughs> your bank i mean like you got to go through mediation if, if they like broke the law you'd still have to go through mediation with your bank that you pay for there's all kinds of stuff where people just assume this level of coverage and safety that has never existed and so you know i mean i i guess i'm just i'm trying to kind of keep these two little colored glasses of colored liquid apart. Crime is going to happen because crime happens as, as always happened. Crime always will happen. Yes, when we invite devices in our house that allow that, I mean, I mean, having cash in your house is probably dangerous. Having a gun in your house is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And certainly, like having an always-on microphone opens up to you to opens you up to a risk that you, as far as you know, are not already 
at risk for. Right. Unless you're being bugged, which right. you probably aren't. Right. But, um, see, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and that's why I think it's also important, though, to try and separate a little bit the difference between the voice stuff and the agent stuff, although in the end, they all become part of the same concern. Um, so with the Google stuff in particular, what were you most excited about, the assistant stuff or the uh, Weeble Wobble or something else? The Weeble Wobble being the, <laughs> the, little, the, the little mini echo. Their version of the echo. I am... And one of the things that I really, really like about things like the Echo or the Weeble Wobble are that they don't so much matter. They don't really matter much more than the kind of lamp you have on your desk matters, or they won't in the long run. They'll matter in what kind of services they allow you to connect to. You know, the same way that you buy something on iTunes, you can't watch it on your, on your Fire TV. Right, right, right. So I see what you're, saying. you're yeah. getting a device that hooks up to a to a to a big a big brain somewhere else. But I don't really care. I don't want to, you know, like I don't want to to have a color. I don't need to change the color of it. I don't care if it has a color. I don't even want to see it. I just want to hear it and for it to hear me. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, so like any anything like that. Google is always whenever it comes to making a product. They're always very confused. You know, they bought they Nest. Do, they do seem to have a strange history of misapprehending what people would find interesting about their hardware. I mean, Whether that's their servers back in the day. Yeah. Remember the original, that was the original play, if I remember correctly. One of the original early plays of Google was those an enterprise hardware product that happened to have this consumer-facing thing that was fish food for the enterprise. Mm-hmm. And it would like a rack server you could you could put mm-hmm. in your, yeah. Google for your, for your company, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not at all convinced that those kinds of things matter or should matter. I mean, what you're paying for is a conduit or access point to the service that you're interested in. And that's about it. And so I don't, you know, like, but what I'm interested what was most exciting for me about IO, yeah, definitely is, are those kinds of services. Allo and that kind of stuff I don't care about. I don't want to chat with a bot. That's the whole thing is like that this is that's a rabbit hole to me. That's not what we really want. And and pe- what they well, do also, is they it also it also it precludes E to E. Also. It, no, I it mean, really does. If you have the bot on, you can't have end to end encryption. Yeah, and that's that's I don't want that. The whole thing, the whole thing for me, the, I feel like that's a completely that just shows that Google is misunderstanding surprise, misunderstanding things that it's not good at. It's not good at things like chatting. It's not good at that kind of thing. People don't want this. Is I just wanted to. We have these stupid bots in our all of our Slack channels and things like that. Like we've got one here in Austin. Is the lake full yet? Because our big lake here was was suffering from drought and the level had dropped so far that like we actually went on a vacation to the lake one summer and like there was really no lake there. I mean, it was terrible. Like when we wanted to go out on a boat, they're like, well, you can only go down this one place and they have to stay in the middle and because it's, you know, so they so somebody made like a, a Slack uh, bot that you could say. Is the lake full yet? And it would say, yup, or nope. And finally it did fill up. But the whole point is like, we don't actually want these things. We don't want IFTTT connections. We just want the services to work already. We want them to work anyway. And if there is an IFTTT thing behind the scenes, then so be it. We just, I don't want to know about that. We don't want, I don't want to chat with a little bot from this place and a little bot from this place. I want to have one, think, think of Iron Man and Jarvis. That's what we want. 
We want to ask it a question and it finds the answer and gets the information and makes the thing happen. The thing might be I'm flying a new suit out to you or the a useful a useful technology that gets hacked to become a killing machine. Well, you know what? If if a few of them have to become killing machines, then we've got to go evolution. with it. That's evolution. Yes, it's evolution indeed. Evolution. But, uh, you know, the point of it is that's what we want. I don't want some bot. I don't want to chat. Well, I'm going to go chat with my weather bot. No, I don't want to chat with my weather bot. I just want to know what the weather in the place I'm going to be is going to be. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and so yeah, get yeah. And, and, and so the whole fact that like, oh, you, you can have bots and we're going to open up a platform and you can develop your own bot. That's not what we need. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. I don't want separate bots. You build build really great API services for the main Google thing to talk to. And that's what's going on in, in Amazon Echo more than anything else is people are just connecting the Echo to whatever services that, that exist yeah. out there. Everything should have – make anything – if you're a software developer right now, hear me now. Believe me later. Mm-hmm. Add an API to whatever the thing is that you're building f- from day one. Have it have an API so that we can hook up to it with something that – well, that that comes down the way in the future. That's it. That's everything is going to be the API. APIs and intelligence, intelligent services, that's it. That's the future of everything. I remember, um, it might have been an interview, I could have been talking to him, might have been an interview, but Jeff Veen saying one time that, and this is what, probably at least five years ago now, more, was saying something about like now when they quote unquote design a website, they're not just going to, obviously they're not going to start with the, the interface, they're going to have the functionality, but a lot of places he was saying were like thinking about or basically documenting what the API would be before they ever made the site. Yeah. Because it was the API, the, the, the website was just a, a wrapper, mm-hmm. in my words, mm-hmm. for, for what the API accomplishes. I'm keeping my powder dry a little bit on what you're describing because I agree with you. I mean, I had, um, I had to deal with a chatbot, not a chatbot, but I had to deal with one of those almost certainly mostly automated things the other day about i think it was uh he has a problem with an order on something and you know it was nobody's ever happy about having to use that at least now maybe in the future that'll change people used to go to eliza because that's a fun thing but you know the the therapist bought back in the day but you know as it is right now i don't look forward to using that and even the jokes that i have created in slack have become tiresome when slack bot does them you know what i mean yeah it's, it gets in the way i i'm I'm going to keep my powder dry because I haven't seen it in use yet. But I, 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 I do agree with you. In the case of my interactions with that company, I don't want a richer chat experience. I want my order to not get screwed up in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Like, let's what focus I'm focus about. your efforts on that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm being glib because you've got to have support. But um, yeah, I agree with you. But also, you know, Google's a moonshot kind of company. They're going to try a whole bunch of this stuff, and you're, you can make for damn sure a bunch of it will either never make it. <laughs> Or if it does make it, it could go away in a couple of years. Who knows? But I'll be interested to see what you know what they do with it. Oh, one last thing though, uh, not last thing. I'm not trying to stop the conversation, but something I forgot to mention. You know, um, if you think of, again, thinking about the amount of development that goes into this right now, I think it's fair to do what I just did, which is to say, okay, so how do you think you might make money from this some way? And even if you're not thinking about that that much right now, what is the most likely way this could be used in the next two years to make money? If you start thinking about things that way, you tend to go a lot more often because the answer is probably going to be something gross and creepy. But here's a question. Um, I happen to agree 
I realize I sound so schizophrenic about this because I'll go through these phases where I'm all about Apple stuff and Siri and I love it. And I do, I do, I do love all that stuff. But let's, you know, acknowledge the elephant in the room here. How much more are we going to do with what we're currently calling the iPhone? We've talked about this a couple episodes ago, but let's return to this for just a minute. How much more are we going to do or should we do with what we're currently calling an iPhone? Right? So on the one hand, you get these furtive gestures over here to try and do something with what we're calling the iPad, which is a, a large screen tablet touch device that does lots of different things to some success. But like, what else could that stuff be? Is, are the financial indicators, I think the financial indicators might be telling us a story uh, that this is a vertical, a space, uh, an industry that may be kind of reaching its peak. It'll certainly have great years still. There'll still be lots of money to make, but like, is what's the next big thing? Like, as in like makes this company publicly seen as having huge growth opportunities in area X. Yeah. Okay. So what is that going to be? Do we want to really be standing here in three to five years and have Tim Cook telling us about the, the iPhone 14 S yeah. is that, is that our idea of progress? No. Well, I think somebody smart inside of Apple, maybe even a couple people who are really smart are thinking about some serious, serious moonshots, right? And maybe that's a car. Who knows? Maybe that's AI. Maybe that's virtual reality. I don't know, but I, even if they're not doing anything about it, I hope there are people at Apple who are thinking about what crazy company could we turn into in 10 years that nobody's even thought about yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In which case, like, gosh, I sure hope they're thinking about this stuff. I hope they're, I hope they're not just simply feeling constrained by, ooh, people are uncomfortable talking into their phones in public. Like, I hope that's not keeping them. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of incredibly short-sighted attitude. I hope that's not preventing them from thinking about what this stuff could turn into, where the growth is, and where, frankly, where the money is. Is there that much untapped potential, that much untapped money stuff that's going to happen with phones in the next five years? I, mean, I got a feeling not. I, I couldn't possibly be less interested in, in that space right now. It's just, it's not, it's not a lot of fun. It's not interesting to me. One of the interesting comments. At least as it stands, yeah, as it stands. As it I stands. mean, we, we, we have reached a level of maturity with a lot of this For stuff. For sure. That's a great way to say it. Where like you can spend a certain amount of money to get a certain kind of thing. It will get better. It will get smaller. Etc. 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 You can buy cases for it. You can buy all different things. But like, it's it's pretty mature. It's not. It doesn't feel like something's going to happen in the next year or two that changes this extant device into being something fundamentally different in the way that the iPhone changed the iPod, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's what is next? And you know, like, it was it was very hard to for people to say, you know, what Touch ID that's coming. That's going to make everything better. But we are at that level of maturity now where we're going to see new features. We're going to see new little things come come out. And, and Touch ID is a great example of that. Being Having a phone that's shatter resistant or waterproof or a really long battery or conductive charging or rapid charging or whatever. These are all enhancements the same way that airbags were an enhancement over just, just a seatbelt, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. then you get side airbags and then you get the kind of crumple zones. You get all these other things that make our cars much much safer you know we're, we're seeing those kinds of enhancements but if you took somebody who hadn't driven a car or hadn't seen a new car for 20 years or let's say 30 years you took somebody from 30 years ago and put them in a modern car they're just fine 
They can say, oh, you know what? There's some new things. By, oh, cool. That's cool. And oh, look at this. A keyless entry. Cool. I get it. Let's try. That's a great example. That's a great example. You know, so I feel like that's where we're finally reaching. We're reaching that point with these devices that we're not, you know, oh, a curved screen. Okay. Well, when you finally get to the point where you can like roll up the screen into a little tube and flatten it out and put it in your pocket or something. That, that'll be pretty cool. Then we're talking about something that's completely different, a completely different experience from, from the get-go. But as long as we're dealing with a, a metal thing with a glass screen that you press on, we're, we're kind of there, you know? We're kind of there. And what we're seeing are things that make that better and easier to use and longer lasting. And, and those things are great. I mean, eventually we'll have a phone that'll last for many days on a single charge. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that we'll get to that point sometime. But that's not – we're not seeing a revolution anymore. We're not, we're not seeing something that's going to take you – and again, I'll go back to this movie that I was talking about, Coherence. The, I'm not giving anything away because it happens in the first like 30 seconds, but a bunch of their phones die. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that like when their phones die and there's a power outage, like right now if there's a power outage, I'm like, oh, don't worry here. You know, like pull out your phone, you get a flashlight on it. There was a time when phones didn't have flashlights built into them, you know, and like if my phone was out and there was a powder outage, oh man, that mm-hmm. what like what would I do? Stone ages, you know, like where is my regular flashlight? Well, there was if, if I said to my grandfather, I don't know where my flashlight is. He would be like, listen, we got to we got to go talk on the way to Home Depot right now. You know, and but I mean, his his grandfather would probably say, "Yeah, where are your oxen?" Yeah, right. I mean, it, right. Stuff changes. It does change. It does. But like fundamentally, things are not that different. Like I could. Uh, so no, no, no. You're 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 right. You're right. It's true for lots of things. I was just thinking this about. You think about something that we come to think of as an appliance or a utility, right? Like an appliance. Mm-hmm. Like to me, an appliance is something like, uh, like a refrigerator. And every time I open the freezer, I think to myself, you know what, freezer. You're amazing. Yeah. All I do is plug you in. Right. We plugged you in three or four years ago, and, just, and you keep our food frozen. Work. We don't have to do much for it. You, yeah. know, you clean out the, the little coily things. You know, whatever, you clean it out periodically. But it's kind of amazing. An appliance is a thing that keeps working mostly without you having to think about it right. too much. Right, And a utility is something that steadily delivers something that you need or want, uh, mostly without interruption. So... I mean, for example, you think about something like a radio signal. I mean, how the radio signals that went out over the air in 1935, how really, really, really different are those radio signals than what is coming out uh, over the same over the air stuff in, you know, 2016 and anywhere in between. Now, all across the time, you could get, you could go, who knows, what did a radio use cost? Probably 50 bucks for one of those giant like living room radios everybody yeah, used to have. Yep. Orphan Annie radios. <laughs> and then later on, you get radios that are part of, you might even get like a stereo radio. You get a transistor radio. You can get a radio built into your Walkman. You can get a radio in your car. You can get a radio in your nicer car. You can get a radio in your truck. When I was a kid, I had a uh, Steve Austin Bionic Man backpack that had a crystal radio. You could <laughs> connect an alligator clip to a fence and it had made Steve Austin have a radio. Same radio. There's all different ways you can try to make it sound better. You can listen to it through different speakers, but it's still just radio. Yeah. I mean, what's going to really, really, really change about radio? That's radio. Right. Radio is radio. Electric is electric. Water is water. Cable is cable. Like those, these are all kinds of things exactly. that maybe a, all that stuff just became a thing that we use. And as I like to say, every couple of weeks, you don't need different electricity for different tasks. 
I'm not saying phones are going to get like that anytime super soon. But like, for example, when you talk about the Weeble Wobble, you talk about your phone, you talk about your Echo, you talk about your whatever. Like, I think eventually, I don't know, how do you put this? Uh, Server-client relationship. Like, basically, there's this giant thing, this giant thing inside of a fence that the Iron Giant tries to eat over here. That thing makes electricity. I got this little pig nose thing right here that I plug things into. It is completely extensible. It does not matter to me as a user what's happening inside the electricity producing facility. Because now I know that with confidence, anything I get can plug into there. That's where I would like to see in five to 10 years, where will we be where we've got your, you know, Joaquin Phoenix device. Yeah, yeah. Where they're the kind of things where that have become like AA batteries. Where like, this is the kind of thing that you get at Walgreens, the way you would buy M&Ms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even more so than flash drives today, because flash drives already seem like they're kind of on the way out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the kind of thing where, like, you just got to, I got, I need to go pick up some more sound dinguses. And there's these little things you could have in the shower, you could have them in your car, you could have them wherever. All they are is a dumb device that gets your voice into places. Yep. That's, that feels like a future that I can kind of imagine. And there's a thin, some kind of thin client solution where that goes through the ether, it gets to the smart thing, and does what it needs to do. Not so different from the way the electricity works. Um, one thing to try this week, folks, it's been a while since we talked a lot about Siri. And increasingly, if it's not obvious, I'm thinking a lot about what, what, what we talk about when we talk about Siri. Let's talk about There's something the, important. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down. Um, just as a, as a fun, <laughs> even if you're not super into Siri, just for fun, if you haven't done it lately, don't worry about the intelligent Siri stuff. Use the part of Siri, what we call Siri, that is called dictation. So just for fun, as, as a, you know, just, you know, do me a courtesy. In the next week, Three to five times when it occurs to you, try using the speech recognition on your phone. And here's how that works. You go into your text editor, you go into your texting app, Twitter, whatever. I would go somewhere innocuous, like drafts or something. And when you're in there on the standard iOS keyboard, hit the little microphone and don't overthink it. Start speaking like you're talking to another person. Not too fast, not too uh, slow, not too loud, not too quiet. Just for fun. Try the microphone again if you haven't done it in a while. And you might be kind of surprised. You might be kind of impressed at just setting aside all the intelligence behind it stuff. Just the fact that the speech recognition part is getting so much better. And why am I saying this? Because this is an example of what Dan's talking about. Do I have to have a screen for everything? No. Do I have to have a microphone for everything? No. But you would be amazed when you're typing at the short paragraph, long sentence level. I don't know if you found this to be true. I think when you're, when you're talking about communicating to, communicating to somebody at the level of the long sentence or two, it's dramatically faster to speak it than type it. Yeah, it's, for me, I'm always faster at speaking it. Every if if it's gonna if it hears me accurately, yeah, always better. You might have one correction or two corrections, but basically, if I said, uh, "I stopped by the office to pick up the permission form, comma, and I'll bring it home for you to sign tonight," period, is pizza okay for dinner? Question mark. Like. I can almost guarantee you, even including the time it takes you to make any necessary corrections, and you make fewer corrections as you get better at this, but I can almost guarantee you I will speak that way faster than I would type that. Without a doubt. So even if you don't want to go, go creep out, oh, they're going to make me want to buy underwear somewhere, I'm scared of the internet, Like at least go try that if on your uh, enabled device, and you might be surprised. You know, Again, there's a difference. There's times when you use Photoshop and there's times when you use Bash. And if you uh, like allow yourself to be a little bit smarter cookie, you will realize that there are times that there are applications for these things. If you have closed your mind completely to the idea that this will ever be useful, I can't help you. But 
you might want to just open yourself up a little bit to catching up with this. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether you'll love it and use it is a different matter, but it would not harm you to at least try this stuff out a little bit. You don't have to buy an Amazon Echo. You, you don't have to expose tons of information. Just go give this a spin and realize that it's okay to have knives and spoons in the same house. <laughs> it does not make you heretical. <laughs> yeah. No button this up? Yeah. Okay, I love you. I love you too, Merlin man. Wah, wah.